that's what really unlocked God for me. Finding a higher power, it was an actual relationship with something that could deliver me from this thing I could not do for myself, right? But my shape of God changed after God accessed my heart and enabled me to change, right? You're listening to Find the Good News, Episode 106, The Escape Pod, featuring James Hyatt, interim worship leader at University Methodist Church in Lake Charles, Louisiana. Find the Good News is produced by Parker Brand Creative Services, a branding agency that thinks sideways, pushes forward, and gets your brand up. See what else we do at parkerbrandup.com. It wasn't hard to come up with a proper reflection from my conversation with James Hyatt. James and I met online in overlapping territory, and it was clear from the very beginning that I'd discovered a spiritual brother. While our personal stories are very different, we have somehow found our way to a common road wide enough to share, and there's plenty of space for others. What was clear from the jump is that James has opened his heart to wisdom over and again, and in doing so, he has expanded the boundaries of what we assume to know. This conversation has fibers of rebellion and doubt bound up with the nutriments of healing and hope. More than anything, James and I talk about Jesus, which acted as a much-needed inhalation of clean, fresh, rejuvenating spirit. James comes from a place of recovery that has been infused with a mystical perspective and understanding that fuels his passion for inclusivity. The truth is that it is a very rare and healing pleasure to speak so openly and freely with someone about Jesus, God, and the Christ. James showed me a face of Christ that I am so fondly attracted to, And that is the face of Christ that I see planted firmly in the world, out in the wild, with us, not separate from us. He reminds me of the high value of being with the people of the world, in the world, as they are, instead of preparing some grand escape from the worries and woes. It leavens my heart to be able to share this intimate visit with you. Now, it's time to lay aside theology and preconceived notions Prepare to have the temple raised and built anew. Then press play on a little good news. Wake up, it's morning. You're dreaming up a story I can hear. The way it's going, cause you're laughing in your sleep. On the path to your deliverance and a holy wall of light. Pouring through your window. Old news. Bad news, fake news, sometimes you just want to shut it all down and get no news at all. With Find the Good News, I aim to change that by focusing on good people doing good work. I visit with artists, educators, civic and spiritual leaders, musicians, business owners, students, volunteers, and everyday citizens who are using their creativity, resources, and talents to bring hope and happiness to their corner of the world. In each episode, I dig into the hearts and minds of my extraordinary guests. We have street-level conversations about relatable things going on in their lives, discover the critical life experiences that shape them, the perspectives that drive them, and the fundamental beliefs that are anchoring them to a path of goodness. There's a lot of news in the world. My name is Orrin Parker, and I'm going to find the good. I love you just as well. You know, I work at the church. I, I, I'm the interim worship leader. Oh, and, okay. Um, and so we have, um, we started a Reconciling Ministries uh, Sunday school class before COVID happened. That's, you know, there's a big movement in the United Methodist Church that's, uh, 
for inclusivity. And then there's a big break. People trying to, you know, um, they want to call it biblical, whatever, to, yeah. to, to not allow <clears throat> LGBTQ in, in leadership positions anyway. Um, <clears throat> so we don't have uh, our church wouldn't go for it. We couldn't have the whole church be a reconciling. There's a, a thing, a reconciling ministry, uh, reconciling congregation. Gotcha. The whole church wouldn't go for that. But we, they allowed us to have a, a class, you know, I we see. can have, okay. we have us, uh, you know, so it's not saying that the, the whole church affirms, but at least this class affirms. Interesting. So, okay. It, anyway, it's just, a um, well, it's a foot in the water. Mm, I mean, it's ground, right. ground gained. Um, and you got to get it wherever you can get it. I mean, I, I don't always, I, some people want to go into things like a bull in a China closet and just break the whole thing down. Mm. And I've been thinking a lot about that lately, actually, mm. just rereading some uh, some of the letters of Gandhi and just into the, the really mm. deep philosophy of nonviolence. And it was really not about destroying the enemy. It was about healing the enemy, you know, and, and it's such a difficult thing to really wrap our minds around in this culture we're living in right now. Yeah, that's exactly it, man. It's, um... It's hard to, to include everyone, in, in, to include the people that wish to exclude people. You know, how can you draw a circle big enough to, to keep in the ones that want to kick out the others, you know? Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, that's, I, I'm the same way. I'm, I, sometimes I think maybe we should just burn this whole thing down and start over. I've thought the you know? same thing. Sure. And, and, I, and I've done that in my life too, you know, like, uh, I was raised a Southern Baptist. Um, I was saved when I was saved when I was, uh, you know, like four or five years old, like a little baby, you know, yeah, like yeah. a kid. Uh, my dad got saved. My sister got saved. And then, you know, I didn't want to burn in hell. So I got saved and got baptized as a little kid. And so and, and until I made it to middle school, when I started thinking, this is all, you know, I became an atheist. Uh, really? Yeah, I was. Oh, wow. I mean, I, I got expelled from middle school. Uh, I was. Uh, I had straight A's and uh, I kept failing uh, PE. Me and the PE coach didn't get along too good, and I got okay. expelled. And uh, and that was all symptoms of, of uh, spiritual, you know, malady. I had, uh, uh, you know. Anyway, I we uh, we ended up. I got sent off to Utah to a wilderness program to really to, uh, straighten out. Yeah, that is and so out- fascinating. I didn't know any of this. I, I'm already just. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I don't know I'm a, it's a page turner for me. Okay, yeah. I, I want to hear more about this. Well, I don't know if we want to. This is how we're going to get started, but uh, <laughs> anyway, we'll just get into it. So, so it was out there in the wilderness. We camped. Uh, it was two months of, of hiking. Two and, months. Wow. Yeah, we had a survivor survival pack. It was a, a backpack wrapped in a tarp that you tied up with cordage, and we made yeah. fire with sticks. And uh, wow. Okay. Um, and I was very the first. I don't know, first two weeks, I think I lost like 20 pounds. Uh, like we just yeah. eat rice, rice and lentils and salt pork, uh, on, on the, on one day a week, we'd get some salty meat anyway, but out there in nature, I looked around and saw the, you know, the majesty that is nature. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, man, you know what? I really don't, I don't think I got this right being, you know, there's gotta be something. Okay. And so, so I came back and uh, I dove straight in, you know, full throttle Southern Baptist. Yeah. Um, so you're you're what about fourteen at this time? In yeah, this I was story? thirteen. I was just turned thirteen okay, when, it, when okay. I got expelled, and uh, I believe this right. And uh, so I I went from went from you know um, 
I'd heard you talk before about your you you wish you had some kind of tradition. Um, I guess growing up, you didn't have a. Yeah, well, I, honestly, I'm listening to your story, and I I don't want to get too far off because I got I got questions already. I would love to dive into with you. <laughs> Like, that's how quick these things get started, man. I mean, I'm highly fascinated by stories of change. I mean, I'm sure you know that from just our interactions. I I love stories of transformation. I mean, I'm hearing it already. You just never know what it's going to be for somebody. And, yeah, I I also, as a child, um, I want to skim through mine really quickly because I want to get back to you. But just in in a nutshell, my dad. Skim through yours really quickly. Well, so my dad was, um, my dad grew up Pentecostal and my mom really grew up, uh, like non-denominational, like church of Christ is what she called it. Uh, but my great grandfather on my mom's side, he was Catholic, but he didn't really pass that down through our family, which is very odd because usually someone who is a devout Catholic is going to pass that down. But see, he didn't speak any English. He was one of the French Acadians. He was a baby, came over on the boat. Yeah, there you go. So none of that got really transferred to me. I didn't even really find out he was Catholic until I started going through my early awakening time period in my in like my early 20s. And because I was scratching at the surface, I started discovering that. But what I came to find out, you know, was that I was sort of a mutt because my aunt and uncle would take me to the Baptist church when I when I was a young kid up until probably my first year in high school, which was when I was baptized. And um, so there was a lot of religious information coming at me. But I'm going to be honest, the truth of the matter was I didn't think there was a lot of spiritual information coming at me. It was mostly just almost like warring factions. You know, I had the Pentecostal arm, which my dad was gave, given the black, the, the scarlet letter of being called a, black, a backslider. I mean, his whole family, you know, called him that constantly behind his back. As a child, I remember that word. I didn't know what it meant, but I remember the first time I told said that my I heard my aunt call my dad a backslider. My dad flipped out. <laughs> I mean, and he he really did. He like flipped out. It was a huge blow up. And so as a kid, I I was like, there's something going on with this. Obviously, this break that my dad had with his faith. <laughs> so you, it was just a lot of signals coming in informing me from different directions and i too as you stated i spent a lot of time alone in the woods in the forest and being alone i i just had this feeling of of in fact i'll say it like this i think i heard jim finley talk about it maybe it was thomas merton he was quoting but he said when two people pray there's always a third that's there and i guess i i call that third when i was in nature there was another you know, not to sound mm. like Yoda, there is another, but you know, it was like, <laughs> no, man, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. And so it was imprinting on me outside of these religious signals. So when I did kind of have a breakdown and what, whatever came in, whatever rushed in that void was that other. And so, yeah, I get this, uh, these different things, these breakdowns, the cycle of change, you know, going through all that. I mean, we all have to go through these different wandering paths that we go through to end up where we're at. So, yeah, that's why I, I kind of say traditionless because I haven't really – I've kind of stopped looking for a home. It used to ang- give me angst. I don't do that anymore. I think that once I let that go <clears throat> um, and try to just feel at home wherever I may be, that was a big, huge awakening for me, another eye-opener. But um, 
I've always, probably like you, I feel like somewhere in my heart, I advocate for those wanderers and wayfarers out there that don't have that home because they're out in the wild, so to speak. And, and not every tradition is tailor made for whoever they are at that time, you know? Oh yeah. That's, uh, I think community is very important. I mean, that's, um, yeah. and then that's what churches are. Um, that's right. what, I mean, and then, and I'm a Christian because I was raised a Christian, right? I'm not, uh, I'm also uh, very interested in Buddhism and, sure. and Taoism. So, um, there's, we all, I, I do this a lot. I think, uh, I think I'm right. You know, I'm, you know, I'm, <laughs> right. uh, I, I think, I think I'm right. Uh, and I have, somehow I have a corner on the truth. Right. And, right. and, and you're, you know, um, you're, you're, you're close. At least growing up, that's how it was. It's like, we take these apologetics courses or sure. it's not a course, just a discipleship training is what it was called. And we would learn how, uh, the Pentecostals are wrong, how the Buddhists are wrong, how right. the, these, and it's not, it's not to say that, 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 that was the, the, that's how I received it. Right. That's maybe not how it right, was. Right. But that's sort and, of the, and that's the how I, that's I used the... it. You know, I, I used that going, um, uh, I don't know if it'd be combative against people, but I, when you're in a mindset that when we die, you get a choice to live forever in, in paradise or burn in hell. Um, right. It's, you don't want anybody to burn in hell. And if you have the key to get out of hell, you want to give that to everybody that, you know, everybody you can, you can give it to. And so that worldview or that, you know, um, I understand it, you know, that's, that's not the one I have currently, but that I understand people who have that. uh, I mean, I think it's great compassion. You, You don't want people, but at the same time, if you think, if you th- have a shape of God that looks like that, um, you might need to change, you know, might have to reorient what, who God is to you. Yeah, you know? sure. Um, if he's, I, he's this punisher, if he's, he's this, uh, tormentor, great tormentor, kill, you know, kill his own son to, to, uh, you know, to pay himself for, for eternal life is, uh, I, I don't know. That's another reason why I became atheist again, you know? Sure. You started trying to do, make that equation and you I get it. Cause we, I understand that. I mean, I still can't sit down and have that kind of like the way you just phrased that. Like if I write that down on paper, step one, step two, step three, and this solves the problem, right? Like a math equation, that's, that's a problem, ritual yeah. or a sacrificial offering. I mean, when I, when I sit and do it that way, I, um, I can see why anyone who uses critical thinking and understanding or any of that stuff is going to look at that and go, well, I don't want anything to do with that because that doesn't make any sense to me. You know, as a human being that's taught to, uh, let's just say, do generally good towards others, just generally with no religious belief on top of it. When you add that in, you're going, hang on a second. I, I don't know about this because we're talking about bloodletting yeah. and sacrifice and, and fathers and sons. And it almost seems, uh, um, I can't think of the word. It's just escaping me, but it just seems like it's a, a corrosive, destructive type of relationship. It's not a dynamic that we would want with our parents. Right. I don't know. I'm, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, also, um, I, I just am drawn to this, fact that I, we have such a great capacity for completely missing the point right i mean <laughs> right, if we yeah. we um and that's how I've, I've read the bible like that many times um, yeah i still i still miss the point many times sure. i'm not 
uh, I, I wish I was enlightened and, you know, if you <clears throat> spend more than, you know, five minutes with me, you can tell, oh yeah, this dude, this dude's got some places somewhere, uh, some way to go. He's still got some, uh, work to do. So, uh, well, I have a question, have, man. I sure. mean, like I, 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 you said something that I just, it, something I'm very fascinated about and it's, I didn't really think we were going to talk about this. So I'm, I'm glad you brought it up. You, you said you were baptized when you were five years old, four or five. Yeah, I, I can't remember, but that's about right. So let me ask you a question about that, because I was baptized as a um, as a teenager. And I, I want to share this with you, because I remember, you know, I was in the Baptist church, so you're going to know this experience for sure, the altar call, right? I oh, mean, yeah, that's it. You know, come on down, you know, the Lord's working uh, on your heart. Uh, yeah, all your heads down, eyes closed. If you, if you, I see you in the back. Raise your hand if you need the spirit. Right. I see you in the back. Raise your hand. Yeah, it's talking. Somebody's being talked to. You know, and it works on you. So as a kid, right. With a very, uh, I mean, gosh, the most rudimentary understanding of what is about to happen or what I'm even doing, I can remember the altar call day that I decided to be baptized. And I walked down there, you know, and I remember the pastor, good man, always was good to us. And and I don't want this to come off like I think it's ridiculous, but I do think about this so often. He was asking me, you know, why I was there, you know, because he's got his arm around you and it's private and the whole church is singing, the piano's playing. And I can remember whispering to him, I was like, yeah, I I talked back to my mama and I, you know, and I shouldn't have said this to my daddy. And sometimes my parents want me to do something. And I went through this whole like laundry list of like just basic bull bull crap. I mean, like (laughs) nothing to do with like actually hurting anybody, just kid stuff. But I was sorry for it. And that was like my, that was all I can remember it. I mean, that's all I was telling him. And he prayed with me, and you know, I went through the baptism process, and I still remember it, and I still cherish that day. But when I kind of, I call it that awakening experience happened again as an adult, and there was no water, there was no church, there was no pastor, there was no religion, I was just alone, you know, yeah. in, in a place, it was like what I what happened felt like what I thought baptism was going to be like as a kid. And so I wonder about that. I mean, I'm saying all that to tell, tell you that story because I wonder, like, did you have something, an experience like that, too, where it's like, OK, I was baptized as a child, but then later something else happened that was like a new man, a new birth. I, I think that keeps happening. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. Mean, okay. um, I, I don't think that's uh, I, I don't honestly really remember um the baptism and the okay. uh, the walking to the front and and having this um i do remember and I, you know I, I guess i've said some things already that are kind of uh dismissive of people's i, I don't i'm not dismissing anybody's belief i don't know yeah to come me off either. Like i didn't want that to like be that I'm, way like i'm uh even even the 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 altar call is you know it's it, whatever problems I have with it, it's still an invitation for transformation. Yeah, and, there you and go. it's, and it's, uh, it's an opportunity to, to change, um, to change. I, yeah. I mean, uh, and so anyway, so I guess we'd go on, um, these Christmas retreats to, uh, in middle school and high school and when I was in a youth group and, and it was, you know, like a four day, five day, um, 
we'd have Bible studies and we have like little sessions on, on, you know, uh, discipleship, basically how to become, uh, more like Christ. And you'd stay up late and you'd have, you know, there'd be some sleep deprivation happening. And usually by the fourth or, you know, the end of the thing, uh, when the church would come together, our little youth group would get together, there'd be some emotional breakthroughs happening. And, and, and they were spirit filled. I mean, I sure. would call it spirit filled, uh, because it was, uh, transformation to transforming, looking at what you didn't like and what you wanted to become and, and, and trying to find a path through that. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's, that's would be, um, and then again, um, we we got uh, we got married and moved to New York when I was nineteen. Okay, and we moved to New York City and we lived up there for five years, and uh, so I went from leading worship at a Southern Baptist church to New York City where I worked for uh, a Jewish couple. We had a Muslim. There was a Muslim. Um, general manager at this hotel I work for. Yeah. And before that, I mean, I'm in South, you know, Louisiana, Lake Charles. I knew one, one Jewish kid and, and maybe a few Muslim kids at, at growing up, but I didn't know them. And, and all I really knew is that they're probably going to burn in hell. Right. So, right. Uh, based on what you're, my, the information yeah, you're, yeah, yeah they, I got they don't you. believe in Jesus. And, and, um, and so that was, that was just, uh, I didn't really have a deep understanding of their faith or, or know them. And then I, I moved to, to the city, and we I worked at this hotel, and Ramadan came along, uh-huh. and the be- the bellhop, there was no elevator in his hotel, and the bellhop would uh, have to take people's luggage from their car. Someone would drive in from Pennsylvania and have, you know, luggage for days in the car, and he'd have to go up four stories with, you know, bag after bag after bag, and sweat's pouring off of him, and he would not drink water. It was Ramadan, and he, he don't eat or drink while the sun's up. Yeah. And I could, I could not, I, that just, I, I no longer could, could, uh, reconcile my faith with, with his faith being wrong. He has, I mean, he believes what he believes stronger than I, I mean, I, what do I, I give up meat on Fridays and Lent, you know, I, I sure. don't go all day without drinking. Uh, anyway, just that, that, uh, it, it imprinted upon you, huh? That it, yeah, yeah. it, it and and so, but it, I went the wrong way with it. I threw the baby out with the bathwater. I said, if I can't, I can't be right, and he can't be right. We we both can't be right, so we must be imagining God, and it's, oh, there's no God. Interesting. And I went, okay. And I went, I went back into my, uh, I would call it evangelical atheism. I was trying to convince, uh, convince people who had faith that the, there was no God. You're wasting really? your time. So how? Yeah. So you you went through that period too, like a second wave of atheism. Oh yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, and that. You know, that's, Interesting. that's, that's me though. I'm all in. I'm very extreme. You. Um, <laughs> and you. so, and so why, why I would feel, felt the need, you know, I wasn't like tearing down, you know, um, people, but I would, uh, try to point out inconsistencies with, with, uh, with, you know, with their faith structure. And, and, um, I, I had a hard time and I still do sometimes, you know, if God is this all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving God, why do terrible things happen? Why do kids get brain cancer? Why, yeah. you know, and and that's still a struggle. I mean, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't think any kind of uh, platitude or you know it, uh, can can really help people who are going through a grief and a struggle like that. But 
Anyway, that kind of <laughs> is this supposed to be the good news? No, man, this is the, what I love. I mean, this is okay. the heart cave, right? I mean, yeah, we wander around this place together. In my view, I think that's where every that's where we grow. I mean, what you're doing yeah, right there, sure. and this is exactly what this show has become. Um, and it is, <laughs> it has, it really has yeah. become the platform for this. And I, I do think something good eventually does come from people, other people hearing this. I mean, they we've all wandered in different territories. I mean, I, I still, for me, I'm listening to you and I go, what, what has, what has helped me? Cause I've been through something similar. I'll give you a little story. Um, I've, I've been on several retreats and, um, I usually have good and bad takeaways from those retreats and I'm honest about them. I don't go on them and then walk out and go, Oh my gosh, this was just up here. Everybody should do it. I'm like, no, there was good, but there's also some things that I I would prefer not to take away from those retreats. But I do remember one gentleman that he was just hard boiled, just like you said, like all in, he was trying to get me to go on this retreat. I mean, for months, I mean, gosh, even almost a year. And I finally, the timing worked out and I decided to go and this guy was just like a ch- my cheerleader, man. I mean, he was like, go. He was like behind me the whole time. He was just coaching me through all these things. And I, I appreciated his companionship. Many months later, we had like a retreat, um, a retreat reunion. And everybody was there having a good time. And he had, he, this gentleman said he had lost his job and some other bad things had happened. And we were just sitting, talking. I could tell he was down in the dumps. And I was just listening to him. And he And he leaned over to me and he said, can I tell you something? And I was like, yeah, man, you can tell me anything. He said, you know what? Sometimes I don't even know if all this stuff we're doing is real. <laughs> and I just thought, wow, man, because this is like the, the guy at the front. Yeah. You know, this he's the face. But he's telling me in my ear, I just don't even know. Because, and I thought well, it's because he's going through some suffering. And, the, you know, it's not being quelled. The grief is not being comforted and all the things that were promised when hard times come or t- tragedies hit. Yeah. I mean, that's like right into it. Right. I mean, that's where you mm-hmm. go. Yeah. But why? I mean, why? You know, it's I see this happening even in our country right now with all these you know, evangel- evangelizing that the prophecies and the dreams and the angels that are going to, you know, give our president a second term and all this stuff. And now that's not happening. And you go, yeah, yeah. You know, that's difficult when you've hinged your faith on a result. Right. That's tough, man. I think that's, uh, I guess that's probably, uh, one of the problems I, I had when I was, you know, uh, growing up like that is, this need to be right, you know, uh, and, and the certitude, the certitude that I am right and that you need to just get on the train with me, um, cause we're going the right way. Um, I, I, that's the problem. I think to allow doubt to, I mean, that's, that's human. Yeah. Um, nobody knows. I mean, that the, the real truth is when we die, what happens? Nobody knows. Right. I can't prove anything R- to you. There's right. no, right. There's, nobody knows. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, in these intimations and these, uh, these feelings that we have, um, uh, about what, what might be, um, are, you know, that that's a, they're not provable, I guess is the, is the point. So, uh, we have to, we have to find our, our tribe. We have to find the people who can support us while we go through these doubts and allow us to, to actually 
go through them, go through the grief, go through this uh, um, deconstruction, whatever whatever belief that you you've hold you held so dear. Um, sometimes you have to tear it down and and try again. You know, yeah. it, it it's not the full thing. We try to put God in a box. He doesn't fit in any box. Any box we try to put, you know, uh, God in, he it's not fitting. Yeah, he's he's beyond all boxes. Yeah, he's beyond he's beyond these words that we say. You know, right. Um, right. Only only in the silence do I really find um, this peace and this this uh, I don't know you call it understanding this this thing beyond words. Um, Knowing that I'm connected to you, I'm connected to everything, this planet, um, this love that flows through all of us. Um, if we can just clear out the dirt, clear out the the all this ego stuff we put on top of this, um, yeah, we can find we can find the source of all love. So I don't know if that sounds like a complete ramble, but no, uh, it doesn't. That's a. I think the certitude was was. Uh, the thing I'm railing against, you know, I, even now I'm, I think I'm right still in the way I'm talking. Um, and I could be, uh, uh, but I am open to the possibility that I, I might be wrong and I, I want to remain teachable, you know, uh, and that I, I don't have it figured out and that there's, uh, there's room for doubt, you know, um, who would have thought this pandemic would happen like this, that, uh, you know, I, any of it, you know, that uh, we've re reorganized our, our life. And I hope that when we come out on the other side, we will look at things and decide what's worth doing and what's what we can leave, you know, leave back and not not have to continue, you know. Long-time Find the Good News listeners know that we often meander into topics on spirit, mysticism, religion, and wisdom traditions. If you are interested in these topics, I encourage you to seek out my new podcast, The Dawn Deacon with Brother Oren. On The Dawn Deacon Podcast, I consider my small place in the whole of creation, asking the old questions that have perplexed human beings for ages. Why are we here? Is there a reason for our existence? How do we balm our sufferings? enlighten our minds, and awaken our hearts. Are there powers, energies, and realities just beyond our ability to comprehend them? On the Dawn Deacon podcast, I share the teachings, practices, and perspectives I have gathered as I've made my varied, sacred, ordinary way. I hope you'll join me at the Dawn Deacon podcast so that we can traverse this landscape together. Just search The Dawn Deacon with Brother Oren in your favorite podcast app or search engine, then subscribe. I mean, I know music's a big part of your life and a part of your ministry, right? Right, right, yeah. And so how have you utilized that during the pandemic, I mean, to reach out to people? I've listened to several times you've played music through, you know, digital platforms and things like that. But, I mean, how has that shifted for you personally? I mean, I know the experience from the listener has got to be completely different. But what about you just being alone, playing to who knows, think, you know? Right. And, I think that's, um, it's, it's difficult to record, um, try to do like a, uh, worship service and, and record because you're trying to make something that sounds good and, and, that, uh, people can sing along to when I'm, I mean, that's one of the ways that I, my contemplative practice, spiritual practice, it's just to play the guitar and, mm. and, uh, 
but not to be recorded and not to just to uh to fall inside myself to to withdraw and um and and try to be reconnected to the source um, yeah <laughs> and that's uh most of the time that doesn't happen with words you know um that happens beyond words uh and so when i try to do these uh when i when i do i play these worship songs um it's i try to find the spirit and it's hard i, I need feedback Mm. And, and don't get feedback when you're scared, staring at the camera by yourself. Sure. Um, so it's it's more difficult. Uh, I think I think they have to let the uh, the appearance go and just and just find the spirit and record that. Um, you know, I, I don't know if that's very successful. Or if I've if I've been successful doing that, but uh, to to. Well, and then I had another thought too is that uh I'm, I'm haunted by this thing richard Rohr said that uh jesus never asked anybody to worship him you know he said follow me uh. and 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 when when we sing these songs it's not i i am offering my worship and my praise to god um but it's really to reorient my life and my and, and my thinking and my uh actions uh, to be more Christ-like, um, and so there's a lot of songs though I I, I can't do. I mean I've sung some, but uh, we do contemporary worship. But there's also a lot, a lot of hymns. And uh, growing up, they were all about blood. Every yeah, hymn, yeah. "What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus." And um, that's very meaningful for a lot of people who who uh, for me. It doesn't. It doesn't really. Um, doesn't really ring true. Um, now, now I'm probably talking some hair. I'm trying to. I'm trying to. This is bad. I'm not in this. I'm not in the moment. I'm not in the present. Uh, no, I can see. I, I wish I'm, audiences could to... see because I can tell you're in a space right now. Like uh, you're. Yeah. You, yeah like I, I know what this feels like. It's like if. Do you ever feel this? Tell me if I'm wrong. But it looks like you're in a a space where you're like in of discovery, like almost like you're intersecting yeah. different things. Like you realize, like seeing connections between two or three different things. Right. And it's, uh, it's also, I'm trying to speak what I, what I've have found to be true, my experience mm. and yeah. not, and not step on somebody's toes. Oh, who understand. Is, totally. Is, so, uh, it's difficult to do. It is and, because we and, all have our own lexicon. I mean, everybody within our tradition, especially, right? Hinge it like you just said that. I have I have these old hymnals. I'll segue into that. I mean, I, I got them at a, a Goodwill many years ago. It's like, oh, I love these because they were all the songs I remembered from as a child. Um, but every once in a while, I'll actually use those as a part of my spiritual reading. I don't remember the songs, but I'll go to those old hymns. And you're right. A lot of the language is about blood and redemption. But what is so interesting, and I'm glad you brought this up. For me, I never understood that language as I, as a young person. But I remember when something clicked for me, and it has to do with Buddhism. And I know this isn't popular with everybody, but... When I was in my 20s, I remember the first time I ever heard someone read a, a little small portion from Shantideva's uh, Guide to the Bodhisattva's Way of Life. And there was this one portion. And when I heard it, I wept. I mean, I really, it, it came over me like, 
like a baptism. It was like these words sung like truth in my heart. I don't know any other mm. way to say it. Yeah. But what was so strange is that I, I didn't have any sort of Buddhist imprints, in the, even though they were coming out of the Buddhist tradition. But they were in such a mystical form, or they were touching on something so mystical that it kind of flowed through my Christian upbringing. And so when I heard, you know, these words, may I be the doctor, may I be the medicine, may I be the nurse for all beings until everyone is healed, you know, during aeons of famine, may I myself be food and drink. May I be mm-hmm. an island for those who seek one, a lamp for those. I'm hearing those words, and all I could do, those words were coming out of Christ's mouth. Yeah, yeah. And then when it gets into, you know, though they may make me a source of jest and blame, let anyone who has encountered me, it never be of, uh, may it always be of value to them. And all these types of things about taking it upon themselves, the idea of the Bodhisattva, and then transforming it and then pouring it out for aeons and, and creating mm-hmm. a feast of ultimate delight and all of that was just popping for me going this is the i mean i'm hearing christ through these words right then when i go back and start reading those hymnals it's like it was reinformed all that language about the blood and this mystical value of it it all started to just reconnect in a whole new cosmology for me and so now that's hard to explain. That's hard to share in in a format outside of the one we have right here. You know, yeah, I, in right. A, <laughs> right. I just wanted to share that because I'm hearing what you're saying because that language is so important. But the meaning, I mean, even scripture. Right. You know, you can sit with the same piece of scripture at different stages in your life, and it'll reinform you in different ways. But different people, wherever they're at, are getting informed by it sometimes by what's coming out of their tradition or their community and they're not going any further perhaps at wherever stage they're in yeah that's uh i i keep coming back i think that's uh i think that's just life you keep coming and revisiting these same things yeah. at, a, at, a, at a different depth dimension than you hit hit it before you know like uh so um blood is life so i, I i've had to re re imagine um what what that's actually you know of uh, uh, paying a ransom and this this part is the is the part that that is uh we're not to get to so deep into theology that is uh boring and 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 you know not not because we don't know right i mean right. we read these things and um so, well, does it inform that? My thing, I, I had to kind of at some point, and I don't know when this happened, and maybe it's just been happening as the years have gone by, but at some point I had to sort of create some rules um, that were very, very similar. It was just some, some camping rules almost. You know, whenever I would go camping, especially like when I was in the Sierra Club and we'd camp as a group, they had some pretty strict rules about oh, yeah. camping. And one was yeah, first, yeah. first do no harm. Do no harm. Don't leave a trace. Don't leave a trace, you know. Yeah. And so that's I took, what we did. That's what we did in Utah. We was, uh, okay. So it was we, sort of we, the same. <laughs> we would make a fire and, and would, you know, we'd rub sticks together, make a nest, blow it, make a fire. And in the morning, all those coals had to be ground up and distributed around the campsite, so it didn't look like we had camped there. Ah. Um, so you know, anyway, that's uh, 
Yeah, I it's almost like, well, yeah, if there's, you can apply those things for, for your religion yeah. or your beliefs, right. and I go, okay, if, it's not, if, I'm, if yeah. I'm studying something, like, let's say it's something from a shamanic type of um, indigenous culture or tribe or something. Well, I, I go, okay, it can inform me up until the point it hurts somebody mm. else, right. you know, um, kind of like, and I have the same exact feeling about... Um, medicinal plants and things like that or hallucinogenics and things like that mm-hmm. i i take the same approach i'm like look i and i don't do any of those things for me personally i i that's territory i just don't get into that's very interesting because it's <laughs> but it can hurt it's like i'm okay i'm like i get why someone would and i get people and cultures that do but then when it gets into the territory of where it's potentially harming somebody I go, okay, look, the information, I have to kind of stop here. And um, it's the first do no harm rule. Yeah. You yeah, know, is this now harming another? Am I, if I take in my belief in something to a stage where it's it's not just informing me, it's now affecting negatively somebody else. Mm, I don't know. Did I, I don't even know if I turn a, strung the, that thought together properly, but... I found that those types of rules for me have helped me Yeah. look at other people's faiths and traditions and say, Oh, well, okay, I get, I can, I can go down this road for a little while yeah. and, and let it inform whatever is going on in my life. But then when it's like, okay, and today um, we're going to kill this chicken and we're going to, I mean, I, mean, I don't mean to make fun. Right. I mean, I'm just using no, an example, no, I, but we, we've harmed a creature now and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. hold on. Yeah. Okay. I got to back out right here. It's interesting you bring up psych- psychedelics. Uh, that's um, in my atheism in New York. Um, I found God, or you know, I didn't know what it was. I I can I contributed it to some mental um, gymnastics that was happening when you took mushrooms. Uh-huh. I ate some mushrooms and I felt connected with everything, more connected than I had. But at the same time, very similar to how I'd feel in a worship service. Interesting. Um, this interconnected. Um, I don't know. It's, it's the peace and love that you feel, uh, or that I've this experience that I've had, uh, and so I equated God was the same as taking mushrooms, right? You can take mushrooms okay. and find God. And then I did some reading, and you know they did a lot of experiments in the '60s. They sure. did this uh, uh, Ram Dass, um, yeah, and all them. They did uh, they they dosed some people on Good Friday. It's called the Good Friday experiment, um, and where and people. I mean, they they didn't. I don't think they knew that they were being dosed, but they had uh, like a like a spiritual experience at, on a, on Good Friday after having taken um, whatever I forget which one they took, but it made them um, more connected and and have an experience that was a mystical experience that was beyond. Um, not that you couldn't get there without using psychedelics. Uh, I think that's. Uh, I don't know if you've ever read the Ram Dass. Yeah, uh, he, he was now. one of the early. Okay, one of the earlier books that I encountered, and you know, it's like any book when you're trying to understand something, you're just like, "Whoa, this is the one. This is explaining everything that's going on." You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I just, you know, he he went to India, and his Maharaji was. He tried to dose him. He tried to give him a bunch of LSD, and it didn't affect him at all. It's already he, and and his, his yeah his explanation was that he's all he was already on this higher plane on this higher frequency or whatever whatever yeah. terminology we can say um and so yeah so that for me at the time 
you know, I felt that that was more proof that God is just a uh, mental, you know, something happens something in your Something just in your mind, like right. a euphoric, connected yeah. feeling, right? Yeah, that makes you, that, that happens. And, and I'm sure there's some, um, some neuroscience to that, too, um, that the part of the brain that, that in meditation is, is similar to the one when you're having some, you know, ecstatic uh, church experience. Um, speaking in tongues is, a, you know, uh, something like that. But uh, anyway, I just find it interesting to, to get back to how I ended up coming back to church is uh, we had my son. My son was born in New York. Um, and so there was, I guess, five years where I was this uh, combative, militant, atheist, whatever. Uh, I would come home for Christmas and I'd still I would go to church and, I'd, you know, um, I'd, I'd hate every minute of it. Uh, <laughs> really? So, but, but you're just doing it like kind of for the but, family, yeah, like tradition. Yeah, yeah. This is where mm-hmm. we're gonna do. We're gonna go to church on Christmas Eve, and I'm gonna listen to this this ghost story about these this you know unbelievable uh, virgin who's gonna have a baby who you know. Interesting, the whole, man. The whole story, you know, is uh, is outrageous. It's 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 crazy. It's a uh, uh, it's unbelievable. But we can we we I mean at this point. I choose to believe uh, most of most of this, right? Um, anyway, I don't know. I, I love this. I can't wait to hear how you get like. I to... got sidetracked again, but so my son was born, and in that moment he was born. Um, it was a spiritual experience for me. Uh, we waited all day. We got to five in the morning. It was like two in the mo- the next morning before he he came out. And, you know, we had nurses and doctors all around all day. And then when it's time for the baby, nobody's there, you know. Uh, and finally one nurse came. The doctor finally came as he's coming. But after he was born, um, I, I don't even think I, they let him hold, let me hold him very long. Really? Um, and she, she, you know, then they, um, they took her to a room. She had a, a shared room uh, in New York. So and I couldn't stay overnight. So I had to go home. And my mom was up there with us. So. And we walked to the car, and I, I apologized to my mom for, you know, to everything, you know? Yeah, yeah, man. It just hits you like a wave of love, right? And, yeah. and regret and yeah. compassion, all of that. Right. Like, and just, oh, man, that's powerful stuff right there. It really is. That's right. that's like the elixir, man, right there. Yeah. So, I mean, all these things, all these uh, constructs, these, these things I made to, to you know, um, explain the world no longer work it no longer is working for me right mm. so um i've been touched by this love that transcends and that was uh i don't know that was just a it's amazing and that was a, and it flipped right i mean how old are you yeah. at that point i mean it's like I'm 20 24 24 okay wow interesting man yeah so i um yeah, and I didn't go back to like uh, I didn't get, I didn't get tied up in dogmas or anything. I just went from there's definitely nothing to oh yeah, there's there's something something. Uh, well, what it is, I, I mysterious. I can't, I can't yeah, it's it's a mystery, and it's, it still is a, it's the mystery. Yeah, yeah. Uh, why is this something instead of nothing? I don't know. That's the mystery. What right. what started this all? I don't know. That's the mystery. That's what we are, we are. Constantly, I'm constantly trying to. I'm curious about. I'm I'm in wonder of, you know, um, how this all 
works. How we can be connected and interconnected, and the 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 more I go along this path, the, the more connect connections I see between everything. You know, I mean, some people might want to stop at uh, humans. You know, uh, some people might want to stop at animals. You know, God is uh, spirits and animals, trees, living things. You know, um, but uh, I've I've come to to realize that atoms make up everything. Mm. You know, this uh, if it's this this piece of wood, this computer, a rock. The sun, yeah. Um, it's what what it is that that makes the electrons go around, and what what makes gravity work. All of these things, um, interconnected. Anyway, it's it's God. Uh, whatever it's the universe, whatever word term that works for you. Um, love, uh, the source of all love. I think that's um, so. It took me, and then and then I I still so I was. Uh, I moved to Agnostic. We moved back down to Lake Charles. Uh, I started working. I started drinking a lot. I had a. I ended up becoming an addict. I was an addict. I was always wanting more, more. Uh, that's. I think that's just part of my either or, all in uh, mm, kind of yeah, thing. Is yeah, uh, gotcha. so. So I. I became an addict, and and uh, my wife gave me basically an ultimatum. I could go to AA, or we could start going to church. And so I went to I went to a couple twelve step meetings. Yeah. And decided that was not going to be for me. Uh, let's go to church so I can keep drinking and I'll just moderate. Gotcha. You know, I'll just I'll just I'll just rein it in. Well, there's gotcha. no reining it in. Man. Moderation. I mean, I wish you I, were going to do the moderation uh, thing. Yeah. Yeah. I I wish I was uh, just a hard drinker or you know uh, I wasn't an addict. I was just able to. Uh, I was able to control it, but there was no control. I was powerless over alcohol. My life had become unmanageable. And so uh, I'd been going to church. We went to church, I don't know, five years. And finally, there was, uh, you know, I couldn't, my life was unmanageable. I was still going to work. I never got fired. I never got, you know, um, the only thing I was in jeopardy of was losing my, my wife, my kids, my house, my the, everything that I love. You know, that's the only thing I was in jeopardy of, just everything. Losing right, everything. Right. Wow, that's and, yeah, and, it's harsh uh, to say it. I hear you. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm only in jeopardy of losing everything that I love. Yeah. yeah which is everything. Right. Yeah. Right. And so it was this uh, as a gift of desperation is what it really was. Huh. And so, so I ended up going back to these 12 steps and – the truth is 12 step program is spirituality for dummies. It is a step-by-step guide, um, you know, about waking up and growing up and cleaning up, waking up, growing up, you know, it's, uh, uh, turning your will and your life over to a power, a God, as you understand. And that's what really, that's what really unlocked, uh, God for me was, was, uh, finding a higher power, a God, as I understand him or them. Um, it wasn't, wasn't the God of the Bible, wasn't the God of, it was an actual relationship with something that could deliver me from this thing I could not do for myself, right? I could not stop. And it turns out that my, you know, my upbringing has, has informed me of, of God and I've, I've viewed, I've viewed it in different lenses in different ways, but my shape of God changed after I decided, I decided mm. after, after, um, God accessed my heart and 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 uh, enabled me to to change right to, God, to stop that, doing yeah. this thing that I could not 
I could not stop on my own. I mean, I've tried. I tried. I mean, we started church. I couldn't make it about two weeks. I think that was my my limit was was about two weeks, and then I'd get so restless I would go, you know, go off on a bender. You know, right? Um, and that's. I'm I'm just thinking back, like why. Why am I such a slow learner? You know, I mean, like this is like a this. That's my uh, my stubborn, strong will uh, has has led me to to. So for me, surrender is like the every morning when I wake up, I I have to. It's a daily act of surrender. I have to uh, let go of of my uh, well. I have to I have to let go of of, of whatever is not God's will, right? Um, I have to find connection and love for all things. Um, it's so. not enough for you. Yeah, I, I understand. I mean, this feeling, it's, uh, I've tried this. I mean, not in the same way. We have completely have different stories about how to get to how we got there, but yeah, I've tried to draw smaller circles. And what I've found is it's just not going to happen. I mean, I've tried to say, you know what? It's going to be enough to just take care of the basics. It's going to be enough to just love those close to me. It's going to be enough to um, not worry about my community. It's going to be enough to not worry about the people around me, my neighborhood, my country, my the world, the creature. I mean, I always, I've tried that. I, I've tried because that type of love that starts to draw greater, wider rings, it, it can be almost like um, exhausting in the sense. It's like this is, I know this is going to sound like a real, uh, to me it's just a mystery, but it's like it exhausts you, but it keeps filling you back up at the point mm-hmm. of your exhaustion because it wants more. It just mm-hmm. keeps wanting. Like I, the other day, I was talking about a fire, you know, that way, and, and it was the camping and the, the embers. And I was like, it, mm-hmm. you start with, you say, I'm going to build a small fire, just a small fire. I'm going to put a twig, the twig of my home, and maybe the twig of a part of my business um, to build this little fire. And I'm just going to put the things I want in there. And then you start to sense that it's going out and you go, well, maybe I need to put some more wood in. And then I start to put in um, another part of my business and then other aspects of my life. And before long, it's going great. Now you have a fire, but you need to keep giving me logs. You need to start putting more in and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. Um, I can't, I can't draw a trench. I can't cut a trench around it. It doesn't want to be in a trench. And it's a strange thing because Sometimes I sit back and go, what's it all for? What's all this exhaustion for? But that's what a fire's doing. I mean, it's exhausting out the resources. It's saying more, more, more. It's transforming. It's transforming, (laughs) like transforming wood into light and heat. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, so I understand where you're going with that, that train of thought. It's like, uh, and I now, I mean, I don't even have to ask the question. I mean, I was going to ask you this today because I mean, you obviously have a attraction or an affinity for the mystics, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I actually, I'm curious, like at what point did that start? I mean, when you went, you know, or, or did you read something somewhere and you go, Oh, this sort of describes this, what's going on in my life. Or did it, did something happen like that where you just kept leaning towards that? It, it was Richard Rohr. I mean, really? that, that's the, the um, uh, I, I 
was introduced to him through 12 step uh oh, really? spirituality he has a, a book but he also it was most of his stuff at in the early was tapes he would he would have these tapes that would go out yeah. anyway he has his book called breathing underwater mm-hmm. that basically breaks down these the 12 steps and um i think the 12 steps would be good for for anybody you know, I think that's a, it really is spirituality for dummies. Um, the first part is you release control over, over what you never had control of to begin with. Uh, and you come to the realization and, and then you, you lean into God, um, who has all power, giving your life and will over to, to over to God, right? As you understand him, whatever that looks like. And then you have to take inventory of yourself, uh, all the things in the past that have happened that, that line up, yeah, you have to repent of your sins, I guess is how that would be. You have to change sure. your mind about um, what what uh, who God is and, and what your part is. And so you look through all these things that have uh, – my problem is I like to blame other people for the, the problems that I cause myself, mm, right? Yeah. And, and, and it doesn't allow you to do that. You have to look for your part in each of these things. Yeah. And then once you've identified those – you have to try to reconcile with the people. You have to make amends to the people that you've harmed or, you know, that uh, that you can if it would not cause more harm. And then the, the last three steps of the 12-step program is is like the maintenance program. You, you maintain conscious daily contact with your higher power. And then you try to you try to spread this love to others, you know. Um, and, and and he just broke that down in, in, in ways that, that – Really, and and the way the he he would the way he would talk about Jesus, uh, I love Jesus. I love Jesus Christ. I it, if all I had was the red words in the Bible, mm. um, I don't know if I'd ever got hung up, you know, gotcha. with with, yeah. the, with the uh, with the dogma and the theology parts. Um, he he was so giving. He he got mad when when they. He turned over the tables when they were selling animals to be sacrificed. You know that that the money changes. The the he's like, we don't need the, God doesn't need this. God doesn't need your sacrifice. Um, but what he what he what he wants is your your heart, right? He wants your your your. He wants you to to become a vessel so he can fill you up, become empty so he can fill you up. And and you can you can pour your that love out to others. Uh, I think that's kind of the same, uh, you know, kind of imagery of you have with the fire. It just keeps growing. It just it just keeps it. There's abundance. It's not it's not like love is some scarce commodity. It's here and there's a lot of it. But we have to be empty to be full, uh, which is you know the paradox. So I got into Richard Rohr through that, and then I, I, some other books he had. Um, changed the way I viewed Christianity. Yeah. He, he opened, he talked about this alternative orthodoxy, which is, um, this Franciscan way of seeing it, that, um, the, the atonement is a different, you know, so through, through Richard Rohr, that's how I, I, I found the center for action contemplation. And then, um, which the daily meditations are wonderful. I, um, I got the opportunity to, to go to this living school. I spent, uh, uh, we did three. It's a two-year program. You go to Albuquerque uh, like four times. I got to spend a week. Actually, that was three years ago, like this week, uh, MLK week. Yeah, 
Yeah, he and we got to spend a week with Richard Roy. He had just had a heart attack, and he still came and and he gave our uh, gave our little intensive, and it was uh, just connecting with uh, all these people still seeking. And and in this tradition, right in the Christian tradition, at the same time honoring um, other traditions, uh, the perennial tradition, the truth that's always been the truth, whether or not we, you know, uh, how we frame it and what we put boxes around, um, yeah, is still. So and yeah, Richard Roy and Thomas Merton. That's uh, yeah, we have those two in common for sure. I mean, I think that you, we find those intersections because they're. You know, I've always called it the voice of ages. I mean, it's like they're mm-hmm. speaking yeah. with the voice that uh, is going to be relevant over and over again, you know, as time moves up, marches on. Right. Yeah, I think so. It's, um, I, I think that the, the biggest realization, um, is that the, the shadow and the light are not, which, it seemed at church that we were always putting, I was always putting on a mask, mm. you know, I'm only going to be a glad, glad hander. I'm only going to give you, give you the happy, positive, um, stuff. Um, but all this other darkness is this grief. I, I got to keep that away because uh, I can't show you that part. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, that's, that's the part that the, the vulnerability and the, you're not authentic. If I can't see your scars, you know, yeah. if I can't see your, um, I'm only getting what's what facade you're you're showing me, and uh, I like that. I I love that what you just said there. It, the visualization for me, and I've never really actually sat and spoke of it this way, but I I have an iron anchor, a little iron anchor sitting here next to me. Actually, it's uh, and then also in the show logo, there's an anchor, and and I the because of that visualization. I mean, if Christ is hope, and you know, hope is the symbol, it's this anchor. What does an anchor do? I mean, an anchor isn't up on a hill. An anchor isn't, you know, sitting out in the sun. An anchor, if it has any value, is diving down below the depths where there's the light is not there. You know, it's going down, 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 down. I mean, and, and then even further still, as time goes on, an old anchor will be beneath the surface where there is no even, you know, no, no light at all. Mm-hmm. And that to me is such a powerful image. I mean, that sometimes I even think of Christ that way, that that was just, that's a, for me, just a strong visual. It's like this, it's God sending an anchor down through creation, like from whatever these other realms are, you know, however we think of God, somehow this anchor forms and solidifies mm-hmm. as a human man. Mm-hmm. And beyond that, in through pain and suffering and death, sunk even further still to the lower realms of creation, yeah. to whatever beings are there beyond our comprehension of whatever sufferings we're going through here. And it just kept sinking and sinking and then raises up and carries mm-hmm. everything up through that. I don't know. There's something beautiful about that. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's uh, one of my favorite Richard Rohr quotes is that uh, Jesus did not come to change, uh, to change our, our God's mind about us about humans. He came to change human minds about God, like what God is. Um, he came as a, as the poor baby, he, <laughs> you know, and then he spent his life with the outcast and the marginalized <clears throat> and he loved mercy and he fed the orphan and he, he clothed the widow. He, he did the things that we, we talk about, 
He broke the law nonstop. That, that's what he healed on, on the Sabbath. He came to show us that, that we're boxing in God, right? That, that God is uh, this love that we can pour out. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I'm very interested. I mean, uh, I don't know how, uh, how you, when you tell me, uh, I've heard you say that you go to the cemetery. Yeah. And, and, um, and you pray for the dead. I, and you and I heard something about an apparition one time. This is very interesting to me. I don't, I don't have, oh, uh, yeah. any, uh, any experience. Uh, I'm very curious. Yeah. I'd be happy to share that. I mean, I, I always dance around the way I tell this because there's living people involved as okay. well that are living relatives of this person. But that really was my experience. Um, the easiest way to say it is that I was in just a moment of despair. I mean, truly in despair. I mean, I, I didn't know at the time what it was, but it was just depression, you know. And a lot of young people have it. My family was not, uh, well, mental health wasn't really discussed as much in that time period. Um, and my family never talked about mental health. So there was no, I, the word depression meant nothing to me. All I could do was describe what was going on. And what it was, was I, and the best way for me to say it was like, I felt like I was dying, but I had nothing wrong with me. You know, hopelessness, death, despair, just true despair. Yeah. had no positive outlook on life and i knew something was wrong you know i knew that I, I i told somebody i can remember i don't remember what friend it was but my words to them was if i don't do something i'm gonna die but of course there's nothing physically wrong with me so i decided to kind of make a retreat for myself just on a whim i said i need to get away from everybody and everything i bought a uh marble composition notebook and I was going to write in it, you know, and I went out of town to got, I got a hotel room and my plan was to just contemplate that weekend, like really look inside of myself and like, okay, what is broken in here? Why am I doing this? Why do I feel this way? Uh, everything went wrong though. The first night, I mean, no peace, no quiet. There was a terrible lightning storm that night and I went to bed. The power was out in my hotel room. So I just went to sleep really almost more depressed and that night I had a dream about a cemetery. I mean, that's all I can say. It was just a dream, like a normal dream that was very vivid, but it was very particular, like the details. I woke up. Um, I remember it in my dream that I felt all that death was lifted off of me. Mm. And so I decided, well, I'll go to a cemetery. I said, maybe I'll just go there to write. That was kind of like my thing. I was like, that's what I'll do. I'll just, the weather was good the next day. I said, I'm going to go to this, I find a cemetery and I'll write. And when I got, I picked the cemetery, it was come to find out now. I mean, it's the oldest cemetery in the Louisiana purchase. Uh, so there's really ancient old graves there. And uh, so I went there and as soon as I walked in, like, it was like a, and I don't know if it was just dream memory, you know, the deja vu feeling, but it was a feeling like all that stuff was lifting off of me, just like it had in my dream. And, and everything looked similar. I'll say similar for the folks that don't believe the story, but I mean, it was very much the dream. Yeah. And so I just walked through the cemetery and it was like to this, and I could, I want to say I probably romanticized this moment over the last 20, you know, five years. But my recollection is that it was almost like a magnetic pull to a 
portion of the cemetery. And so I went over the hill and there was a, a, a fresh, a, a look to be fresh or a grave. And it was covered with sunflowers. I mean, just littered with them. Like I say littered because that was the remember that memory of going, why are people pouring flowers all over this grave? I mean, it just hit me like stunned me. And like a lightning strike, I fell down on my knees and I just felt all that stuff. And I've always said I threw it up into the ground over this person's mm. grave. It just started pouring out of my body like mm. like it was being taken off of me. And mm. um, I heard, I felt, I don't know. The only way I can say it is it was like I felt the presence of a girl. This was a girl's grave. And I heard a girl's voice and it was saying that's gone mm-hmm. go it was like and it was these words i wrote them down it was go with your heart and that sounds so simple i mean it's anything and everything go with your heart go with your heart use the force you know whatever <laughs> but for me those words carried a mission it was like you need what it meant was you can leave now and when you leave your heart is going to be your eyes now. That was the mm. way I understood that your heart is going to be your eyes. Um, and that's when things got really transformative. Leaving that cemetery that day and that understanding, it was like uh, something got unlocked. I mean, the world looked brand new, Connect the connections to the creatures and the earth and other human beings and, and even just starting to see messages in other things. Mm. And that sounds insane to some people, but that was what well, it was like, man. I mean, and she was involved in it uh, because there were specific things. I mean, I ended up meeting her family. We had some conversations that were really uncanny for people at that time there was no internet so there was no like pre-reset it was really some they were surprised by things that i was writing that i would relate to her there were things that they were writing and, and discovering and when we connected it was like it was meant to be that we connect and communicate and so what i learned from that was not to be so closed off to the afterlife for one that that something does happen to human beings when we pass over and again you say i have no christian con i wasn't putting it in a christian context so i I was just it was like okay so if there is another if there's something after we die and they do care about us and love us and see us when we're in despair and one where is that and or what is that how is that happening how are they trying to communicate with us and then why and the only answer I could come up with was they love us. They love us. They want us to understand that we're loved, that we're all connected, that there is no such thing as death. Like it's just God. And I'm going to use that word. It's like that. And that, they're not, it's not like God's the general and ordering one to come like, Oh, go help him. It wasn't like that. It was just like an identity emerging out of this grand identity and saying, mm-hmm. I, I, Humans understand other humans, so therefore I approach you as something familiar. And to familiar was that girl in her identity. I don't know if I'm explaining that correctly. (laughs) I'm following you, man. I'm following you completely. I think that's uh, uh, 
<laughs> that's amazing it's an incredible story man it just keeps happening just, though do you know what i mean uh, like now yeah, it happens yeah. when i go to cemeteries these things will happen like i i've never that's, shared a story but like recently it happened where i kept dreaming about a guy from my, my high school i mean truth james i mean it was like i, I would wake up and tell my wife i said i do not this guy and i were not friends like we didn't really know each other and honestly I didn't like his brother and it was just like a whole thing. Like I don't know why I'm dreaming about this guy. And so on a whim, like after I kept dreaming about him, and it was strange. Like he kept coming to me in these I would see him walking around corners and he had like a red lighted lantern in his hand. And it was just the weirdest thing. It was like he was just out of like reach. Like he wanted me to follow him. Mm. So I went on the internet and looked him up and kind of found out he'd been murdered. And I was like, what in the world? Okay. And so I just decided to pray about him. Within days, all of a sudden, I was encountering his family members. They would just, we would run into each other. And I went out to a, well, I hadn't buried my father yet. And someone had told me about a pauper cemetery here in Sulphur. And I said, well, I'm going to go out there. So I went out to this pauper cemetery and what? Which one? Uh, Farquhar. Yeah, right there by Tank 62. That's right, yeah. Yeah. I went out there, and James, I walked out there, and I was like, why? and I just literally said, I said, God, why am I out here? You know, why am I out oh, here today? Man. And so I was standing on one side of the cemetery, and I decided to pray the chapel of the Divine Mercy. And I closed my eyes, and I, I could see this guy clearly in my mind. It was like it was just mm-hmm. overwhelming love, just like, love this person. I want you to love this person. And I said, okay. And I closed my eyes. I opened my eyes and I, I said, okay, just guide me. Tell me what to do. That's it's, it's as simple as that. Just tell me where to go, what to do. Cause I'm having a hard time with this. And, uh, I turned around. I counted 10 steps. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, And I stopped and I turned around and looked down and there was his grave. Like right there. I was like, this is uncanny. This is meant for me to do something. Well, come to find out for me, it was just a message for his family because they had been struggling. They kept their big weeping. What worrying was that he was in hell and suffering and mm-hmm. being tortured mm-hmm. for all eternity based on their tradition. Right. right. And I, all I could say, I said is, look, all I know is when I see him, he's, he doesn't, he's, he's looks healthy. His skin is clear and clean he looks like himself but like he's almost like been enhanced somehow like he's not suffering all the things that the the wear and tear is gone and um he's in the presence of this crimson light like and i I kept seeing that light and the way i understood that red light was like the mystical blood of christ i know that to other people that may sound like what but that was the way my heart was interpreting that. I was like, he's being shined upon. He's he's trying to lead me to tell you, you can let this go. And it was like a huge. She one of the family members told me said this is this this pain of worrying about him suffering an eternal damnation has caused more mm. grief after yeah. his death than his death did. Yeah, And so I just thought, well, okay, if there's any blessing to be had from praying with the dead or for the dead, then this is it. And I don't know what kind of container to put that in, but I just let it happen. I, and, I love uh, that story. That's that's amazing. I um, 
I spent a lot of time right there on the other side of the fence from that from that cemetery. Um, Farquhar. Yeah. 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 Um, this uh, I don't know about six seven years of my life was spent on them tanks right there. Oh yeah. Okay. And, and in the middle of the night, there's. I mean, I I don't have any story that's even uh, remotely. I desire that though. I desire this otherworldly something. Um, sometimes in dreams I'll have, uh, you know, some experience, but, but to have, I, and there's been some synchronicities and some things sure. that are, you know, that are not, uh, unexplainable, uh, coincidence if you want to coincidence it off. But, uh, I, I, I choose to believe it's deeper than that, but I haven't had, um, experience like that. And I, I'm, I'm, at one time in New York, when we were, I was working at the hotel. I worked midnight to eight, and it's a it was a little forty two room hotel right off of Times Square. And there were um, one night, this guy came in. Uh, the door was locked. I had to go downstairs and open the door, let him in. And um, the things he had to say to me, I mean, I'm an atheist at this time. I'm not uh, not really looking for you know any kind of insight. But this guy was like an angel to me. Like he was. Wow. He was uh, the things that he, uh, the encouragement that he gave me, and and the, um, and he just he just walked out. I mean, he didn't. It's like he came to tell me something, and then he left. Mm. And you know, it's. I'm sure he was a real guy. I'm, I'm not sure, saying he was a but. ghost or an angel, but at the same time, like why he came at, when he came and why he had to say what he had to say, um, just felt. Looking back, feels like it. At the time, I was like. Um, was that an angel? Was that was that what this, uh, you know? Uh, anyway, that's a. But it's um, like a like an influence. I, I yeah, I understand what you're saying. I mean, we encounter. I believe this. I really do. That we encounter influenced messengers in, in human mm-hmm. beings. You know, they've been influenced um, by spirit yeah. to inform us and or be with us. Um, you know, and it happens in such strange ways. I mean. I remember when my father-in-law died, we were after his funeral, we were at his house. It was right after the hurricane, you know, and, uh, me and my wife were sitting out on the back porch of their home and a lot of people were there. They were in the home and, you know, there were salesmen going around trying to get roofing jobs and we were sitting there in grief. I mean, my wife was really having a hard time, you know, I mean, as she should. And we were sitting there and, uh, guy walks up, he's got a roofing card and, he was doing his pitch saying, Hey, I'm doing some moves in the neighborhood. And I don't think he realized, you know, obviously he was just walking home to home. He has no idea he's walking into this huge swelling of grief. Right. And so I just spoke up. I said, well, I said, you know, we just lost my father-in-law. We're at this actually his way, you know, we're his, uh, I don't know what you call it after the funeral where everybody's gathering and, and the guy's demeanor shifted. He didn't just say, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to leave. Like his whole, body language shifted and his eyes flickered completely different and he said you know i lost my mom he just went right into it say i lost my mother uh, a couple of years ago and i uh, i don't want to pretend like i know what you're going through he said but if you don't mind i wrote something the day she died i'd like to read it to you and he had it in his pocket and he stopped and he read that and i'm telling you it was like the voice of the comforter you know, and then he we took his business card and he he left. He didn't ask to say I'm going to pray with you or none of that. He didn't just offer platitudes. He he became 
the sage. I mean, like, you know, guy just going around trying to get roofing jobs, but he became the sage. And I told my wife, I still have his business card and I kept it because I was like, we met the spirit, you know, whatever that may be influencing another human being to offer compassion, you know, in words that that comforted. That's, I think that's what we're called to do. And we missed the point a lot. Um, I I love that story. We we're called the, this is my, um, I wish I wish it was true. I'm about to say something I wish was true. But it's not quite true. My my purpose in life is to be in solidarity with the suffering, not to not to offer some platitude, but to come alongside someone, an alcoholic, somebody who is um, not uh, who's grieving, who's suffering. Let's leave it at that, uh, and just come alongside and and be with them. Right. That's what I. Uh, I say that, I say that, I, like that's that's my aspiration. Like that's what I I want to do. And a lot of times I'm so self-absorbed, I'm not doing any of that. Right? I see. Hey man, uh, I'm the same uh, way. <laughs> uh, I I am. I'm, uh, and it's not like you say. I I can pray for I can pray for people, but um, sometimes just just being in the room, just being next to them, uh, you know, is is uh, is a lot. The compassion uh, comes in, in many varieties, and uh, if you have to, you know, you might have to use words. But a lot of times, it's in actions. Uh, it speaks so so clear and so uh, conveys love uh, yeah. in in a, a tangible way. You know, I, listening to you say that, it, it does remind me of that that podcast I listened to the other day with Jim Finley. And he said something I'd never heard before. Maybe he'd written it somewhere before, but I'd never heard it. And I, I remember thinking this, and it reminds me of what you're saying so much. I thought after I, I I listened to that podcast, I sat kind of stunned with those words and that visual. And honestly, even in the last few days, I've, I've been taken to wearing a medal that has the Turin Shroud imprint on it because it's just the simplest prayer. You know, Lord, show me your face. And Jim Finley said, he said, in an answer to like, what is Christianity? Like, what would you say to someone? And he said, I want you to imagine that you're walking up on a, a, the side of a cliff or a hill. And there's a man sitting there waiting on you. It, it's, it's Jesus. Very simple. Just a normal man. And you go sit next to him. And now th- I want you to think of the thing that pains you most that you don't tell anyone. What's the most, what's hurting you the most? The thing that you harbor, and it's really, you're just too ashamed to tell anybody. He leans over and he puts his ear up to your mouth and you whisper that t- into his ear. What does he say to you? And he didn't say anything else after that. That was it. That was the whole like reflection. He didn't. And I said, I was doing that as, as he was saying those words. And I, I, you know, told my darkest pain and secret, my fears. And I heard comfort. I mean, I remember sitting there and, and it was like, it washed over me. He was mm. with me in my suffering, my private suffering in that moment. And I thought if someone had just given me that in a bottle or in a text and said, this is the whole 
of what you need to understand to be a follower of Christ. Just this. Yeah. I thought I would have been all in yeah. if someone gave me that on day one instead of all the theology and all the yeah, must-dos yeah. and the rubber stamps and yeah. rites and rituals. All I needed was to meet the comforter right? Yeah. in person yeah. like that. I don't know. It was mystical. Something just happens with that. Yeah, I, I love Jim Finley. I, he was uh, one of the, um, I don't know, teachers in, in the living school was Jim Finley and Richard Roy and Cynthia Bourgeau. He has um, a way that is that I aspire to. He is so tender. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he and and you know um, to know to know. Uh, he talks about sometimes about uh, how we how how our woundedness is is really that's that's our our power, and mm-hmm. and the way that you the way that you can heal the woundedness is is someone, uh, or to heal someone else's wounded. Now you never uh, you know it's to touch it with love, but you have to let all these defenses down, to, to just you know and and you can't. Um, just to just to put your finger on it with love, and and that that's the that's the trade out these sorrows and these uh, griefs for love. It, I, I sound like I'm saying some more platitudes, but this is um, it's very real for you, though. I mean, yeah, that's the is. path, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it it, it is. It's, I, um, it's when you tell them that story. I haven't heard him say that story, and I didn't quite listen to that um, that podcast, but. Uh, he he reminded me when when he was uh, uh, Thomas Martin was his spiritual director. He had a story about when Thomas just wanted to hear about uh, the pigs. When yeah, the pig working Jim in the. Would go, he, he wanted to hear about the pigs. He didn't yeah. tell you know, me one and, and, thing that happened in the pig that's barn. Cra- <laughs> that's crazy. You know, I'm I'm here talking to you, and I'm you know uh, trying to talk about this this stuff that is hard to hard to encapsulate but the truth is it's all encapsulated in, in what's happening right here in the physical uh, yeah. pigs um, yeah you know we uh anyway no you're right I, I i jim finley told that story again in that podcast and i thought what a merton the you know that's so masterful of merton because that's really it he said you know what i've got if i want to reach this person i've got to reach them in the ordinary, in the the regular place, uh, not that's that's partly what I guess I, I I agree I'm with you like you said that I just want to be with people like ultimately I I agree with that I do too I just want to be with them around a fire out in the cold you know and or, you know just say hey you. I, I know the I know the good fires over there I know the AC and all the nice cool stained glass and the gold and the 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 symbols and the books i know that's all right there and that's good you can go there but if you're not ready to go there i'll go sit with you out here in the woods man and and we'll just sit around a small fire together and maybe our backs will be cold and our fronts will be warmed yeah maybe we're not ready to go in there but i i agree i mean there's people out there in the ordinary spaces they're just not ready one of these guys i listen to He's a, he's in apologetics and he taught, he, he debates with atheists and um, you might find it interesting. You probably have watched his videos and now I can't think of his name. It escapes me, but he said something that just stuck with me and he said, 
because he gets a lot of flack for not talking enough about Jesus because he's a Christian, but he he's mostly talks about God or trying to reveal God. And he said, you know, if I can't get someone to even believe in intelligent or to subscribe to any ounce of intelligent design, let's say. How am I going to get them to Jesus? I can't draw a line for those people. They'll never walk across that line. Right. And I that stuck with me. I thought if I can just convince someone in the heart, just start with creation, just the harmony of things, the design of things, the order, the artistry, the repeating yeah. patterns. If I can... Yeah, yeah. If I can start there and someone can just even say, hey, you know what? I'd be open to the idea that there's something perhaps orchestrating or unfolding this. If we can start there, mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm okay to start there, you know, yeah. in the most uh, rudimentary sense of that even. But there's a um, Frederick Buchner. It's a has this saying that uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of atheists that believe in God that you know really they act as if they believe in God and there's a lot of religious people that act like they're atheists like they don't believe there is a God you know in, mm. the, in their actions um, I'm, I butchered it but that's uh, the gist of it there's a I have so many friends that don't that are uh, you call I guess you call them non-believers um, who ex- exhibit fruits of the spirit that are you know, um, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> that, that aren't, they didn't name it. They didn't learn, right. their, you know, um, but to think that God is not acting in their lives and is not, uh, providing and, and, uh, is, is I think not true. Right. Uh, he's, I keep, I keep thinking that, that even if we don't know the, the whole time I thought, you know, there was no God, it didn't change the, his love for me. Um, or his seeking after me, right? Yeah. Um, and and I think that's that's true even when people are, are not uh, caught up in a faith tradition. I think for sure. Uh, my thought is that if you if you have a faith tradition, you'll you'll have more connection and more opportunity to to be in the spirit. But at the same time, I've seen people who hunt. You know, I'm not a I'm not a big hunter, but I have a lot of friends that go out in nature and. That is that is like a communion with with God. I mean, that's that. Um, I've sensed the same thing. It's an interesting way to bring that up. But you're right. I've heard men that are friends of mine who are hunters uh, talk about the reason they go hunting is very has very little to do with the actual hunting of the animal. Yeah, it's yeah, more I, to be in nature and just the silence and the peace and quiet. So I, I really like talking to people about God and never talking about God, never having to name, yeah. <laughs> name it. And, and when that happens, it's, uh, um, it's an interconnected feeling of, uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know what the, what the, how this fabric is, is woven, but it seems to be woven pretty, pretty majestically. You know, yeah. um, the, the people in my life, uh, the people I'm, I'm connected with, uh, and the exchange of love that that, that happens. Um, so we we have um, and I had another interesting question. So 
I should have run all these down, man. I've been I've been listening to this podcast for a while. I'm like a I'm like one of those guys that's like a, a long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you lived in Colorado for yeah a little for while? a little while. Yeah, I sure did. Okay, Glenwood was, Springs, uh, Carbondale area. Oh, okay. I I love Colorado. That was uh, while I was getting sober, we went to Colorado um, and camped out at Estes Park when my wife was still pregnant. Oh, yeah. Kid our third kid and uh, we camped out there oh dude it's i've never been more scared driving up a mountain (laughs) in my life it's like you know they got they got the the road is just like a white line and immediate death oh yeah you're right off the edge and i have a fear of heights i had i have to drive i can't be a passenger if i'm you know what i mean like i can't be on the outer edge that's me too man i was driving i was driving in the middle of the road (laughs) these big rvs just zooming up um Anyway, I have this deep love for, for Colorado. And, uh, you know, after these hurricanes, you're like, man, I'd love to love to leave. And, I've uh, had thoughts like that, and, yeah. And, and, and move there. Move somewhere. You know, I, I, I worked in the refineries for 13 years, um, you know, in and out. We need we need gasoline. We haven't. The system is broke. The system is broke, but but we don't have the solution yet. Yeah, right? we haven't and figured so, out how to replace it yet. So, um, fully. Anyway, I'm not sure why we why I jumped to this Colorado part, but I think that's 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 why I wanted to get to ecology and and care for the planet. Yeah. And uh, and I, I see people care for the planet that don't know god don't have you know they know god they don't have some kind of uh like a formation yeah like a religious formation but but, and i had the same thing when i was in new york as an atheist uh i got i wrote a song disparaging walmart you know because they they got these sweatshop labor we're paying these people 12 cents in an hour and and you know there's a huge profit margin there uh but it's not sustainable. Like, right. like we're, we are, we're buying all our shoes are made in Indonesia or, or Vietnam or Chinese. Um, all our smartphones are made. And when I came back, you know, down here, I, I mean, I wouldn't buy, I wouldn't buy shoes that were new from, from made in China. I didn't want that. It had to be made in the U S I wanted somebody who had a union or had some kind of, um, some equity, some, some equality, some, some, um, I don't know the right word. I just wanted, I didn't want to be part of being participating in a system of oppression. Is sure, the and and that had nothing to do with God. That was just a humanist uh, view. Uh, I want to to be good to my fellow man, just to be good to my fellow man. I don't want to be uh, part of this exploitive thing. Um, and so. That's the same kind of way in in Colorado. They seem to have um, pockets of of super progressive and also super conservative sure. um, views. <clears throat> I've lost my train of thought. Oh, so I, I became a you know I, I came back into church, and my my thirst for justice for the for my fellow man kind of didn't kind of went away. It's like, well, this is the system. We have to play into this. You know, I can, I'm not going to change the system. It, it's working for me. I, I was never gonna. We were never gonna live in Lake Charles again after we moved away, right? Yeah. So yeah. See how well <laughs> That's that what we all me? say. <laughs> I, I was. I was never gonna work in a refinery. You know, um, my dad worked in a refinery. I, I didn't want. <laughs> I was never gonna work shift work, and I. I did all these things. All of a sudden, all these things I said I was never gonna do, 
and an opportunity happened where I lost my job. And now I'm, I'm going back to school as a 37 year old man in college. And now because I'm not part of the system, that's, um, you know, I had a hybrid car while I'm, while I'm, you know, I'm thinking I'm doing something. I got a hybrid car while I'm at a place making gasoline. Um, mm, I'm doing my, my, yeah. little, my little part to, to, uh, help the environment. Um, but I've had to, you know, over this past, you know, pandemic reevaluate all the systems that I participate in and the systems and they're, they're, they're good and they're bad. Mm. And, and if I can eliminate the, uh, some of the, the bad, I, I have the power to do that. I can't do that for, you know, for my, my community, but I don't have to participate. Right. Yeah. I don't have to, uh, I can't seem to stop going to big box stores and buying stuff I need to eat out right. of boxes and plastic. And, and, you know, I haven't solved that one. I, I don't have time to go, you know, I, I haven't made time. Everybody's no, time. I hear you, though. It's tough. I mean, I haven't, I, I haven't I made the, the homestead. I haven't made the, uh, but that's all, that's all godliness. I mean, that's all. Yeah, it's mixed into for that creation. for sure. It's, and I think uh, a lot of times we don't pay attention, you know. Yeah, we, we we serve coffee at church sometimes, and we had uh, for a long time we had these styrofoam cups, and no, you know, things that never decay, uh, right? And, and single use everything. Yeah. I mean that's, and now everything's single use because it's COVID. We don't want to die. So right, we're right. It's germs, yeah. and we're back to single use. So there's a place for you know plastics. I don't I don't know. Um, it, there is a place for plastics. That's what's interesting. I think that sometimes human beings take an all or nothing approach. Like That's if me. you're, it's 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 even like issues that become hot button items for people in in religions. Like I'm gonna, and I'm not. We don't have to talk about this because it's so. Let's do it. Let's divided, go but like abortion Get is it. an issue that people use like that. It's the same thing. Yeah. It's like all or nothing. It's. Yeah then all or nothing approach if you're going to vote for somebody and they're not against abortion 100% all the way you're willing to accept a hundred other terrible things that they're all about somehow that gets put it's like this battering ram to get things to go through and so you you're told that you're compromising you know but it's like there's this sort of hawk's eye view that we're, we're going, well, wait, what's the greater good here? Like, what's the big full scope, you know, species annihilation picture that I need to be really looking at here instead of this one issue? Um, but then I say that and then I'll turn around and say, but I adore a being that supposedly cares about the individuality and the one in their particular troubles you know i mean i used to say this prayer with my son at night to comfort him and it was i would ask the spirit to fill all the cracks in his room that we don't see you know the 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 rusty hinges all the little spaces that we can't see i want you to fill that with love and protection and i did that on purpose because i wanted to kind of imprint on him that that's how you're loved you know, your heart's like all, like your room. It's not just the stuff you see, the bed, the table, the TV, the chair. It's it's hidden in the back drawer, the sock that's collecting dust bunnies. That's also being permeated. I want you to think like that because that's how eventually I want you to, you know, see your own heart being loved. 
And uh, but I say that, but then I'll turn around and say, yeah, but we need to take a broad species approach. So I don't know. I feel like it's a dance. Like it's somewhere. It. It's very situational. It's both. It's both ends. It's, yeah, right. It's, it's both the, ends. It's the That's the problem. It's the same it's thing with e- ecology and stuff. It's the same thing. Yeah. It's like I still have a gas guzzling car. I don't really have the resources to replace that. If I did, how you know what's. <laughs> Can I afford a vehicle that uh, is there a place for me to replenish its energy? I don't know. There's just all kinds of questions well, I have about it. I mean, I, what's the greater good? I, I think that's just hearing you speak like that. I think it's important to, to acknowledge this grace in all things, too. Right. I mean, if for all our shortcomings where we where we aren't aren't where we want to be, but at the same time, encouragement to to change the things we can change. Yeah. Um, and that's, uh, you know, to be mindfulness, to integrate mindfulness into everyday everything. Yeah. To, to, see, to see Christ in everyone, even the people that you might detest or, you know, not. Uh, yeah. We have, we have such a, such a, I, I feel this way. I'm 37 years old. The world is how it is, and it's been this way, you know, for hundreds, hundreds of years. But the truth is, it hasn't been this way for hundreds of years. It's only, I mean, we the, in the in in the Hayden Planetarium in New York. You you come out of the the, uh, the planetarium and you go down this long spiral case, and it just starts with the Big Bang, and then mm. and it's you know it's a couple of big big circles, and then when you get to the end. This is a very small little piece. I mean, you you walked I don't know 100 meters, 200 meters around this this uh, helix, is the the amount of time humans have existed, <laughs> and and to you know to think that uh, in this short time we missed the deep time, you know, yeah, um, right, deep time, to, well, that's it. To to see, uh, anyway, I just yeah. So, I, it's like I hear everything you're saying, and I, I'm with you because I, I had thoughts just like about not even a day ago. You know, I um, I had to go to a big box store to get supplies. I mean, I just had to. It was time we hadn't had a payday in a while, and we finally got a payday. And it was like, hey, we got to do some grocery shopping, replenish our supplies. You know, we were just out of sync with our financial pendulum that used to sing, swing the way it did because of COVID and hurricanes. It's just not as consistent as it used to be. And so I'm like, look, this is the way it is now. And so it was time. We had to take the resources and go get supplies. And so the cheapest way to do it with the resources we had was to go to a big box store. Now, for a long time prior to COVID and prior to hurricanes, I was not using plastic bags. We had really tooled our life. I mean, we were recycling more. We were going to drop our stuff off. We were in a sink where we're going, okay, we're doing our part. I was out picking up trash on the weekends. You know, I was like, okay, if I keep tuning the dial this way, I'm getting more in alignment with the kind of life I've envisioned for myself. And I felt like it was a part of my spiritual life and God and the whole big picture somehow, even though it's just picking up trash on the side of the road. But the other day, I was like, I didn't have my bags with me, my... um recyclable you know my reusable bags had to use plastic bags and i really was sad i got home i was driving home had all these plastic bags and as i was hauling them from my truck into the house i was just thinking i was looking around all the hurricane damage 
I mean, excuse me, but there's just shit everywhere. Yeah. I mean, it's just everywhere, man. Yeah. And I was I like, how long will it be before? I mean, because if I were today, I thought if I got, so what? I got these bags. I mean, there's a gosh darn piece of a plastic right. bathtub sitting on the side of the road and a refrigerator and TVs and old bicycles and just junk. And I'm like, what does this little me doing this do? Right. And so I almost like sunk into like despair a little bit. I mean, just for a moment between walking back and forth. And then it hit me. I was like, yeah, but Warren, remember, it was like a mantra. It was like. We start with the fork to get to the plate. We get to the plate to get to the bag. We get to the bag to get to the... And I started doing the whole thing. I said, okay, this is why we practice anything. That's right. For in these moments. Or and just I had to like talk myself back up, you know, because yeah. I was like, I could... But I could see how easy it would be for just that to like drop someone into despair to where they just would give up their whole like not only their practices but then their religion too just like one step at a time it eats backwards the other way to where right you're going well, well why I does any they, of it matter you know it's, it's got it yeah nah, nihilism is a <laughs> is a constant fear of mine i i fall into this uh thought but i think also is grace in all things mm. you know in all things in all shortcomings uh to think, I know, I know, just raising my kids that I am damaging them in new and novel ways, and they will have, <laughs> right. they will have, uh, they may not have the same, you know, uh, father wounds or or whatever that I had, but I'm, I'm giving them something. I'm trying not to, but at the same time, I don't think my dad or his dad or their dad on up ever tried to, you know. I yeah. think they did the best they could with what they knew at the time. And and um, I think that's that's the the grace in all things. So we have my kids love to eat fast food. Who taught them that? I don't know. All the sugar and the tasty stuff that you get in in <laughs> in the uh, fast food. Um, did did some you know big conglomerate just get together and decide? Oh man, we're gonna get these kids all fat. No. They found a product people like to buy. The, the way it worked, it just happened this way. And so um, they did the best they could to maximize profits or, or whatever. So we have also grace in all things, grace in that also, because they, they're doing the best they could. But we have to step back and be mindful of what we're doing and at at the same time, you know, infused spirit in all things this grace this grace doesn't just come i mean like somebody offends you somebody somebody steps out is your first reaction is it's okay i don't turn the other cheek i mean we're a christian nation and we kill people for killing people right we don't turn the other cheek we we are uh retributive in everything and it seems right mm -hmm. and and we we are trying uh i guess what i'm trying to say is we're trying to step towards some more restor restorative practices. Um, and that has to involve grace in all things and forgiveness and forgiveness for not, not uh, for using plastic or for forgiveness for eating, eating this unsustainable uh, way, you know? Yeah. It's um, interesting. I mean, it's so, it's hard to take that approach when we have a mission, when we're mission minded. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's true. I, as I'm listening to you talk, I'm thinking about like, uh, I used to love to watch outdoor shows, like survival shows where they show tips and tricks and, you know, several times they will like be trapped on an island and go, well, or, or in the forest and say, I don't, 
I don't have a way to get water, you know, right now. I, I, there's water, but I can't collect it. I don't have a container. And if I have a container, I still don't have a way to boil it until I get fire. But then sometimes in these shows, they'll find like an old tin can and go, oh, just this piece of human garbage. Now I can collect water and boil it. Yeah. And it saves their life. For them, I mean, I'm, I'm comparing that to like the grace to someone who's on a mission to end waste and litter. And I mean, hallelujah. I, I mean, yes. But in that moment to that person, a piece of waste and litter is their salvation. And that's the hard thing for us to accept that like sometimes these things that through our mission-minded lens is hurting us or hurting someone else to someone else in that moment it's actually doing a greater good and it's hard for us to accept with big blanket mm-hmm. laws yeah, that yeah. are just supposed to go right. you know hey this is the way right. it is and it needs to be played for everybody right it's so difficult grace is I, I thought about this on this country road reflection the other day and i was like you know this thing that's been with me all these years is not fixed it's it's been moving around and morphing with my life and changing all the whole time it's it's in a dance you know as i change and shift yes by its influence but it's allowed me to change and go through things and it's still dancing and morphing around my life i mean it's not saying i'm going to force you to be something you know right. but yet it's present and loving and uh still dancing around and and it has an influence but I, I've, as a human being, I think we have these timetables. You, you bringing that up about deep time. We have these timetables, and we want things to be in our lifetime, or we want to see the result. I want to plant a seed and, and eat the fruit, you know? Right. And we're losing that, I think, as human beings. We we want things so quick, but that used to not, we weren't like this always. I mean, we, we did allow things to grow and watch them you know, take the time when we read. My son and I are fascinated by the uh, the old farmer's almanac. We buy them every year, and that's, we'll sit and read through them. And he's me like, "Me too. That's funny, man." Hey, do you I, really? I get one. I get one. I didn't get one this Christmas, but my mom buys me farmer's almanac like every every year, and it's something to read. Yeah, yeah, that's well, interesting. Anyway. Well, it, it's fun because I mean, yeah. Well, okay, there you go. To me, it's a great spiritual tool because if when you, even if just reading the farmer's almanac, even if you never plant anything, right. you get a glimpse into another completely different way of life that is so in tuned with frosts and moons and everything. I mean, when to plant, when to sow, when to reap. And I'm like, we don't, I I read it and I'm fascinated. I'm like, we don't live like this. Yeah. We, we live in such a strange way. I mean, we are so disconnected from our food. Um, you know, just completely disconnected. Like, like I'm not sure my five-year-old really understands chicken she, she we went to my uh my aunt's house in kentucky over this past summer and she had chickens and so we got to go get the go get the eggs from the chickens and uh she loved it she wants to get some chickens uh-huh but she also loves chicken nuggets and and i think it took her a minute to put together that bird is what you ate even though it doesn't look the same uh-huh. you know it, it it we never i mean you never watch most people don't watch the the their food be killed or so they could eat or, or the, the time it takes to grow, uh, you know, these, these 20, 20 tomatoes I bought for, you know, $3 growing right. in Peru or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just, uh, the, the disconnect is, uh, and so I, the farmer's almanac is, uh, 
It's yeah. awesome, man. That's I, I advise people to get one just to read it, even if you're not planting or growing, just to remind yourself that there's uh, something else going on, you know, out there. Yeah. It's a peek yeah, into. Yeah. I, I'm even surprised. I mean, you know, and this is such a simple thing. But, you know, I mean, you, we're friends on social media. I mean, I, I love the sunrise. I love going up and watching it rise. And I love to watch it set, which I think is so uh Yeah, a lot of funny, people man. do like that. Yeah, my wife yeah. loves the sunset. Yeah. But what I find interesting is when I visit with people sometimes, sometimes I'll go, well, when's the last time you watched the sunrise? I, I'd say more often than not, they can't remember. Wow. A lot of people, other than going to work, but what I find is people who are going to work sometimes aren't paying attention. They'll say, yeah, I mean, well, I, I see it every day. I don't pay attention to it. Yeah. And I realized something when I started kind of putting that together. I was like, wow, we really are just floating through, you know, just one thing to the next, not stopping and going, hey, there's something awe-inspiring and amazing happening uh, that, we're sleep- yeah. that we're either sleeping through or sleepwalking through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's so true, man. That's the, the awareness, uh, becoming aware, uh, of, of just everything is a miracle. I mean, the, the breath that we're taking, the fact we're having a conversation, the fact the words exist, it is all a miracle. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I just, uh, when, when we go on vacation, um, I usually wake up and then go, go to some park or if we're at the beach, go walk the beach and watch the sunrise. And that's, uh, I, I don't know the, the, the mystery of how we exist just, uh, never ceased how small and, uh, uh, how small we are and the problems we have are very real. We have very real problems and very real issues, but in the light of eternity, I mean, it's, uh, I don't know. I, I really like to, uh, think about, you know, I we have this model of the the Earth uh, orbiting the Sun, and the Sun kind of just staying right there. But the Sun is moving too, right? So we're yeah. all just so uh, every moment is the Earth is in a, a, a unique place. We're in a unique place. There's never two moments the same, right? I mean, the uh, the patterns repeat, but the opportunity to to step into grace or to step in to uh transformation is always present and uh and to wake up yeah to wake yeah, up the opportunity to wake up yeah and i wake up several times a day and i go back to sleep <laughs> me too uh, uh, uh i fall into that uh to stay awake would be you know probably too much yeah uh, look i mean that happens i i go for i try to go for a walk every morning before i go to work and uh I chuckle. I've learned to laugh at myself and then go, well, try again tomorrow. That's all I ever say. Just try again tomorrow. Because I I mean, yesterday I was, uh, I was all set to go on my morning walk and I was, you know, driving after I dropped my son off, I was driving back to the park and my phone's just dinging and I'm like, Oh, and it's my work email just going off with like an emergency project had to be done today. And, And it was just, it, that it was like a um a, a mind worm you yeah. know I, I got to the park and i started walking and i was like all i can think about <laughs> is how everything just got everything i had planned today just got completely derailed and everything i was going to do i'm going to be behind on because i have this other stuff now in front of me and yeah. 
by the time I got back to my office, you know, it's, it's just eating at me. I'm not thinking about anything that's important to life at all. I mean, nothing that's beneficial. All I'm thinking about is <laughs> the ticking of the clock and how fast can I get this done? How frustrated oh, I am? And it all yeah. just like scales down. Like it just got hyper yeah, yeah. in that moment. And I and then then here's boy. Then it gets bad because then I open my mouth and start to complain about it. And it's like all that. And then my tongue starts flapping and I'm complaining to my wife. And I got get yesterday evening when I finally finished everything. I, I looked back on the day and I said, I just completely smoked out my own day. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, I did it to myself. I mean, I just so what? I had a busy day, but I smoked out any sacred and holy out of the day so by the time i got to the evening i didn't want to pray i didn't want to think about i didn't want to do my my evening readings i didn't want to do any of the stuff that i practice all i wanted to do was watch tv and go to bed because i was sick of this day and I, i i got up this morning and i was looking forward to talking to you and i thought you know try again just try again because i, yeah. I my I, the thing i know that I've seen in me and other people is that if you don't do that, if you don't practice and you don't just go, Hey, it's okay to have a bad day. It's okay to smoke yourself out. Just remember that tomorrow you just try again. And it's that easy. I think sometimes we can make it so heavy. Like I know I used to have done that in my spiritual practice. Going, oh, I missed a day of my reading or I, I was on a good track. And then I, now I did, and now I'm all screwed up or, especially when I was in a faith tradition where there were other people practicing things and you're all kind of beholden to each other and there's all this Uh accountability. I was like, I'm letting everybody down. I didn't do the thing. I just had to let that go and go. I'm just a human being, man. I mean, it's just like you said, it's like, we got to make, I got to let that go. Grace, grace in all things, man. (laughs) For for me, the, the, I, I keep saying that, but, uh, Grace for myself is hard to give, man. I can I can give grace to somebody else. It's, I mean, sometimes sometimes I can give grace to somebody else, but to give it to myself is is very you know um, the judgmental. Uh, either either regretting the past or future tripping on something else, or my mind will go better than less than. We'll start putting things in categories. This this you know dualistic way of thinking and. Uh, I didn't meditate this morning, uh, and I don't think yesterday I did either. And the day is better if I if I can if I dedicate myself to stopping this monkey mind from running. Yeah, my my day is better. And some days I've done that, and the day has been terrible. Yeah, you know, I, right. I have not. I have I have not uh, held fidelity to this 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 love that has accessed my heart. I have given in to the, to my own, uh, I got in my own way. I love what and you I, just said uh, there, man. I'm going to remember that. I've the, lo- sure the sure fidelity to the love that has accessed my heart. That's, that's, that's beautiful. That's a Jim Finley thing. That's, that's beautiful, that's man. The words he says, man. he's a uh, guy. I just love that man. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. We, we have, I think I keep saying we wake up and then we wake up and we keep waking up and it's just a deeper, it's a deeper, deeper place we get to, um, presence of mind and presence of, 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 you know, uh, compassion for ourselves and for others doesn't 
I don't, I don't know if it just sneaks up on you or if it's a act that you have to, you know, um, not that you work for, but you have to let go into, you know, you have to release, uh, into this, this place where you can find grace in all things. And, uh, I feel so privileged. I mean, um, it's an honor to talk to you, man. I just, oh, uh, dude, same well, here. We have, we have such a, such a, uh, the stories are not the same, but they are the same, you know? Isn't um, that the way it is though? I mean, that's that, that's that thing that was, like I said, to me, it's like that, that thing that's dancing around our lives, you know, it's different, yeah. but the same. I mean, it's, uh, it's a, it's a wisp, you know, it's, I can't touch it. I can't grab it in my hand. My son and I were talking about this the other day. It was windy outside, and I, and it felt good. And we just got out of the car, and we hey, we just got home from school, and I we put our arms out, and we like let the cool air. He's like, oh, that feels so good. I was like, isn't it cool that you can feel that, but you can't see it? And he was mm-hmm. like, yeah, I mean, I can see. Well, no, yeah, I can see the flags moving, but I can't see the thing moving them. And I was like, right, right. You know, that's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Like, right. you can't grab it. You can't, like, say, here's some wind and hand it to me. But but you can still feel it, you know? And, I, and somewhere right. in that mystery is, is what we're talking about to me. That's it's it. Like, yeah, it's, yeah. I think so. It's, it's elusive but present, you know? Out of sight but as close as our skin, you know? Yeah. That's... Uh, that's, I don't know if Meister Eckhart is... You know, but God is closer to us than we are to ourselves. Mm. You know, this uh, our being is God's being. You know, not that I am God, but that God is in me and is in you. And yeah, um, this, <laughs> I this, remember, man. In my, I remember uh, I was probably about twenty five, twenty six years old. It wasn't too many years after that sort of awakening experience. I remember. Uh, I was watching Empire Strikes Back and I felt like I was watching it again with a whole new set of eyes. I remember when Yoda was talking to Luke, you know, the whole scene where he's lifting the X-Wing out Uh of the swamp. And as a child, you know, that was little when that stuff came out. I hadn't really ever sat with it again. And uh, I remember just like being so enthralled by everything he was saying. I was like, oh my gosh, how did I, how did I miss this as a child? I thought, oh, that's cool. He's using the force. I didn't really actually listen to what Yoda was saying, but like, I honestly felt like I was hearing a great homily, you know, about the nature of the Tao or God or something. I was like, whatever he's saying. And then there's just some people that are like, well, yeah, obviously. But I, for me, it was a big <laughs> moment because I had yeah, never yeah. put spiritual eyes or religious eyes or anything on it before. I thought I was, I put the eyes of a child watching science fiction, you know, that was all it ever was. But yeah. to actually go back and go, Oh, there's actually something really beautiful in there. You know, that it's around us and binds us to yeah. each other, to the, to this, this reality, this tangible, you know, my desk mm-hmm. and all, and you, and there's a, and that, that thing is connecting you and I right now. I mean, we have technology, but at the same time, there's a, that third, you know, yeah. that, there's a third one there and other. Yeah. I love yeah. that. I love that because, uh, it is deeply simple. Uh, and it's mystical. I don't know. It just, it's mystical. It, it refuses to be, it resists our containers. I mean, it arises right. in containers, but something a priest right. told me one time, and you'll probably like this. And 
he told me one time we were he was giving us a tour of the inside of a particular Catholic church, and he was explaining the names of each section, you know, like the narthex, and then you know the bark of Peter, and why it was called that, and he was telling saying why there are stained glass windows, you know, and I didn't know this until he told us that, and he said, well, the reason we have stained glass windows is to keep it's to keep your focus on the inside and what not what's not going on on the outside, like all the beauty inside. And I was like, ah, oh, I never, I didn't know that. Mm. I was like, I thought stained windows yeah. were just there to be pretty, but they were actually there to keep you from looking out the windows, but to let the light in. And I was like, well, that's an interesting concept. And I thought it was really beautiful. Yeah. But then I went for a walk in the prayer garden next to the church and the light shined through the trees and the leaves turned red and the light hit the water and there were just reflections everywhere and a spider web glistened. And I thought... <laughs> It's interesting that that's all designed in well and good that it is, that you have a place where you can go inside, but yet there's something even more glorious that it's telling me to ignore outside the windows. Yeah, that's, that's you know. very, very Franciscan. That sounds like St. Francis, you know. Uh, yeah. well, a lot of people, I mean, I grew up with this. Uh, the Bible was the, the sole word of God that... Uh, but to think that God didn't start speaking, you know, at creation or that that creation is the first Bible, you know, mm. like we said, I I found God in nature uh, in, in middle school. I, I was able to find something beyond myself, yeah. greater than myself. Um, it, it's very interesting, uh, that story about the stained glass. I always thought it was because people were not... Uh, literate and so they had to tell these stories and, and that in might picture be form. Um, <laughs> he might yeah. have just been telling us that it might be one take well, hot, one might, hot take might, on it you know might be both yeah yeah right so yeah that's a uh, it's so crazy there's something else that i i should have wrote this down man i'm telling you um god it's one of these episodes i right now i'm driving for uh grubhub or doordash oh or right I'm, on I'm, man i'm it's for the last year uh i've been uh, gig gig worker gig economy uh, while I, while I'm going back to Magnes, and so um, so I do a lot of riding around. So I listen to a lot of podcasts, and so oh yeah. <laughs> um, uh, what what was the golly? Oh, it's something about this uh, Jose Ruiz. You had him. Oh on yeah, there? sure did. Yeah, and that this episode, man. Um, I don't know if it's because me and him are have similar <laughs> similar uh, difficulties, but. Uh, some of the stuff he said, man, it was just like, uh, what was the question? Oh, I wanted to know what all was in your medicine bag. And oh, all your children and your your children's teeth. Why are all your children's teeth in this medicine bag? I keep them, you know, like, and this is just personal for me. I, uh, I mean, I have my medicine bag on me, actually. I, I, I tie it yeah. to my belt every day. And, uh, yeah, you should see the looks I get, you know, walking around with that on. I mean, but I've gotten, I've gotten used to that. I don't even, I think yeah, more of anything, it's a conversation starter. It's an opportunity a lot of times. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if someone were to ask me what's in it and I said, my children's teeth, I mean, what I would tell them, I said, you know, when I hold the medicine bag or if I ever feel uh, disconnected from my history or my tribe, or if I'm feeling like I haven't been a good father or I've let someone down. I mean, all I have to do is hold that. And it reminds me that all these children's teeth are in here and they've all, they're all living. I mean, luckily, you know, no, nothing bad has, they've all survived for one under my care <laughs> for whatever that means. But, um, 
it just reminds me that I've cared for them. And that is a good thing to be a caregiver to my children. And then Ryan makes me think of those moments, honestly, of how uh, they're, they've turned from a little child and they've moved into a new stage in their life and that transformation from a child to a, you know, an adolescent or an adult. And so, yeah, to have that, in fact, it's interesting. I just put another one in there the other day and I, um, I usually, before I put an item in, I'll leave it in a bowl next to my nightstand. So I'll see it for a few days and just kind of think on it, whatever it may be. I used to not do that, but now I do just kind of spend some time with it before it's archived, so to speak in the bag. But, uh, yeah, it's like a walk through my life almost like these moments because they each, those things like the teeth or like, I'll give you an example. This is, I really hadn't told me by this, but I found a recording of my oldest son the other day, a voice recording. It was a conversation we'd had when he was, you know, in the fifth grade, it was untitled. So I was playing it, trying to determine what this audio file was. And as I, I realized through context, I was like, oh my gosh, that's my son. And I just sat here and sat with his little voice that doesn't exist anymore. I mean, he's got yeah. a deep, deep man's voice now. And I wouldn't have recognized it. And I, I, it made me sad. I was like, my memory can't recall his voice. Like, I can't. Mm-hmm. I've had too many years with him with this other voice now. And it's like, I can't remember it. Now, if I think of my father, I can hear my father's voice. I can hear my wife, my father-in-law's voice. But for my son, I could, couldn't. And it made me sad, I guess. And so in a way, the medicine bag acts like that. It's like a a node to convalesce. Oh, moments okay. you know yeah so i hope that it yeah. helps me to remember you know their faces when they're that age i mean i know we have pictures and things like that but carrying it on my person it just it's like a relic yeah yeah i love it man i think it's an awesome um uh just, just awesome thing um my my daughter my five-year-old just lost her two two first teeth you know um They've been loose, and she just uh, they just lost them, and I'm just like we're doing the fairy uh, tooth fairy thing, and I'm just like, how did if you keep the teeth and then they find the teeth, what happens? So anyway, mm. that's just a <laughs> man. You just made me think of something, bringing uh, Don Jose up, and I've been thinking about this lately, and I want to get your take on this because I've been thinking about. Well, I'll tell you, like this other day, I made a comment, a post about something negative, I mean, on the internet. And I I try not to, but I do. Sometimes I think, hey, this is important. We should see it. Um, And someone kind of, I don't want to say they came at me, but they just kind of were educating me on my negative negative take and, and how I should perhaps offer more love and understanding instead of the negativity. And it just hit me like, you know, I immediately thought of Jesus and and his in his cycle and the way it formed for me was like almost like a shamanic type journey. I was like, well, I I put like a made a medicine wheel like in my mind of his cycle. I was like, well, sure. You know, we have this human being who's in the world, but then he's willing to experience the worst suffering. And then beyond that, the next part of the cycle is dying and going into the underworld, which is darker than anything we can imagine. But the journey doesn't stop in the underworld. He comes back up into new life. And then beyond that is in whatever you want to call ascension, this rejoining of sorts with 
um, the source. I'm just going to say it like that. In my mind, that's the way I made the wheel. That can, and I thought that can, that's a useful tool for me in my life because sometimes I'm on different points within this wheel and I might travel this wheel many, many, many times. Mm -hmm. Don Jose kind of talked about that in his journey too. You know, he said the shaman and he even said, you know, someone calls me a shaman, whatever he, he threw it away. Like that's somebody else's word for me. I don't sit around and call myself that, but he, he brought up that, you know, the shaman goes to the underworld and comes back with new knowledge to share with the world. It's a cycle that the shaman may make over and over again. And it just got me kind of drawing some correlations between those two things, like almost just looking at Christ through a shamanic wheel. And I got, I don't know. I started to feel like I was getting something out of that, like something I could use as a roadmap to some degree, like looking at a life situation and going, okay, where on Christ's shamanic wheel does this fall? Is this, is this feasting with friends? Is this being a healer? Is this being sorrowful and weeping? Is Am I on the wheel where I'm looking to God and going, why have you forsaken me? Am I am I in a despair? Have I, am I in the underworld? I don't know. You, you see where I'm going with yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, very, very interesting. I, I just think there's... Uh, I'm not... I'm not so familiar with the with this wheel. Well, but, me either. <laughs> but, <laughs> me but either. This, I just the, the um, there was uh, some icons um, of Jesus coming up out of the grave um, from from hell, rescuing. But he yeah. brings all the saints with him, right? Yeah, right, right. Uh, he's, he's, he's opens the doors or opens, unlocks the prisoners. Yeah, yeah. and that's uh I just had that mental image while you were, were speaking of that. Yeah. Well, you can't free you can't free people if you don't go to them. And like, where are people, right? So to yeah. speak, like, where are they? Yeah. Uh, and so you can't. Um, and I don't know. Just to me, I was thinking about this. I wasn't offended, but I felt like it was maybe. I had. I guess I had to try to put it into perspective. Like, yeah, sometimes the. You have to go into the underworld. I, I think that's true. You know what I mean? True. To get to the, the gate, to the lock. Um, yeah, I, I don't think that... Uh, I don't know. I've been seeing this hashtag for toxic positivity. Yeah, I think yeah. That's, I think that's sometimes uh, kind of related. Like, if, you, if you're unable to to acknowledge the, the grief and the loss and the, the death and the despair... Uh, then if you if you just you know just kind of try to just skip over that part you're not uh there's no redemption there's no third way there's no uh uh way out without yeah like i'm gonna bypass this like that's almost like what i kept telling myself and like visualizing it as a wheel i was like yeah, if I'm on the wheel, I don't get to bypass this. I mean, right. like I can go, oh well, okay, I'm cool to like, yeah, I'm cool to say the prayers, and I'm cool to hang out with my friends in the community, and I'm cool to break bread, and I'm cool to you know maybe split some fish and loaves with a bunch of folks, and even heal a few people. Wait a second, I gotta, I gotta hurt a little bit. I gotta suffer yeah. a little bit. It, oh wait, death, it's gonna get tough. It, well, I'm gonna give both, up right here, you know. Yeah, it's both death 
And resurrection is not just a resurrection. It's, it's that thing before, the death, yeah. the suffering. The, There's something there. It's like something in that pattern that is relevant yeah. to... I mean, I even think of that kind of like from a Buddhist perspective. Like I, re, I was kind of lingering and I went, so, okay, you look at the, the wheel of the Dharma and then you say, well, life is suffering. Um but there is a path that leads to the end of suffering. So it's not just life is suffering. Stop there. The end it's a, it, you're moving through, you know, it's uh yes, this is real. There's age old, old age, sickness and death. Yeah. But there's a path and it leads to, you know, something else, something free of that. And so I, I kind of, I don't know. I'm just seeing some similarities there in that, that cyclical, thinking i have something i want to meditate on a little more actually to be mm-hmm. honest i was just curious what your what have you had any thoughts about that honestly <laughs> it was kind of a new a new way of looking at it for me well i i think that's the the universal pattern and you can't skip over um death into life uh, the the suffering i mean that's where my transformation came from, but I didn't come. I wish I came through somebody loved me so much that I never had to suffer. Right. I never had to, uh, uh, you know, um, go through what the suffering that I, that I self-imposed or otherwise, you know, um, sometimes when we think about Christianity as, uh, the what we're waiting on uh, our escape pod to heaven you know we just we just need to put up with this this life and and whatever is handed to us so you know at least when we die it'll be okay and, you know and that that uh i'm sure i'm sure that's still a common thought but that also uh, allows for oppression of people and and uh right in in put suffering onto others like well that's that's just your your hand you were dealt you know you're gonna have to you know when you die there'll be transformation but yeah. in this life on this side you know um you, you're gonna have to just put deal with it you know and pray to god to give you the strength to to deal with this uh, unsufferable injustice that i think is really what we're here to overcome and to yeah. transform yeah, restorative justice to some degree. I mean, it's it's exactly right. I I've thought those same thoughts. You know that that's something that disenchanted me with the religion necessarily. Um, not not all of it, but the portions of it that were really about, like you you said, an escape pod. I was like, you know, we're looking at this world and this life, um, like something that we just have to drudge through. You know, right. not not looking upon it as God's creation or or right. a, a glory and a wonder. Uh, something to be appreciated and loved. We're looking at it as a st- as a middle ground. It's like, well, we're just going to use this up. It's okay because something. That's right. There's another layer to reality, and we're going to all be there and have all the th- all our stuff. <laughs> and that just yeah. really doesn't sit for me. And it may sit. I just doesn't. It just doesn't work for me to yeah. look at it I, that way. I had a um, I, something else on social media I posted and, and the same kind of thing. Uh, or I, I replied to, to my former uh, youth minister, and then somebody else came back and said, "Oh, that's some some cafeteria Christianity. Oh, He's yeah. taking take. Yes, I'm going to take what works for me, and I'm going to leave the rest because that that's what works for me. And yes. so. Uh, sure there are charlatans in every faith tradition there is spiritual gurus that will sell you their plan for enlightenment and you can buy that um 
but you could find some good stuff in all of it. And, yeah. and, um, and yes, some of it is not, is untenable and it just doesn't work, but at the same time, there's some good. So, yeah. so I, I don't know. That's just probably, <laughs> no, I, I get what you're saying. I actually, it was one of the things I had wrote down to even ask you and you really just kind of answered that question. I mean, it was one is about how do you how do you deal with it as a Christian when you uh, hit a scripture wall? And what I mean by that is when you hit a piece of scripture that you go, OK, this is in the quote word of God and it's meant to be seen that way by many, many Christians. I mean, a lot see it that way right. and say, OK, but this piece of scripture actually segregates, degenerates, isolates and harms. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, what that's... do you do when you meet that piece of scripture, you know? Well, um, here I'm going to go back to Richard Rohr. He's he's got a three a, a tricycle that that starts with experience as the front wheel, and then tradition and scripture are the back wheels, mm-hmm. right? And 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 tradition, you know, in the Catholic Church or the way things have been, right? And scripture, um, scripture, there's there's really um, the, what's the word hermeneutic the, the the lens that you use to read the bible and interpret what it says uh says a lot about you know is it literal is it is it allegory is it is it is it more is uh, there more yeah. being said um who wrote these books who were they wrote for did they mean to write it to me here in 2021 um was am i their intended audience or were they writing to a church it was paul or somebody like paul and we gave paul the the credit for writing this book the, the troublesome books i guess are like first timothy and uh the ones that speak out against women in the church or, or lgbtq uh for me i mean these are the issues but there's the I have a I have a problem. Uh, I forgive us in Matthew where Jesus uh, is talking to the lady, and it's like, why would I give uh, the food meant for the kid to the dogs or whatever, you know? Right. Um, and he basically compares, you know, as Jesus talking. Yeah. I I, I have to sit with that one. I mean, that's <laughs> right. uh, um, I, that's not. Yeah. That's not the Jesus that appears in almost. Every other right. Where does that come from? This change of character and tone, like all of a sudden, that one's been tough for me too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I don't, I don't know, and and to realize that the that the um, the Bible was written not not Genesis to to Revelation, like like chronologically, you know, the the Gospels were written after most of those Paul letters, and so. The words of Christ were written after the words of Paul. Yeah, you know that's not to say they had oral traditions and they had, you know, they had better. Um, they were closer to the source at the time. So, ah, the Bible, man, it's uh, it's it's how we just had uh, on Sunday. We read First uh, Samuel, the story of uh, Samuel and Eli, where where God is calling Samuel. And he gets up and goes to see Eli. And he's like, what do you want? He's like, I'm not calling you. I'm sleeping. So he goes back and calls <laughs> right. him again. And he goes, he's like, what's, it's not me. So next time, just tell, tell God your service is listening. And then what God has to say is that, okay, Eli and his sons are blasphemers and, and I'm never forgiving them ever. Is is what it says. That's what the that's what First Samuel says is that God says that Eli Samuel is going to become the priest, and and Eli and his sons are are, are 
blasphemed and will never be forgiven for what they've done. And what? That doesn't sync with uh, – I, I don't like it. Right. Know? Yeah, I hear you. Right. I, I don't That's like a good it. way to say so, it. I don't like and, it. Yeah. And so Jesus, at the same time, you know, uh, when he heals these people and, and, and they, they come and ask him why why did he have this, this – uh, whatever uh, affliction was it the son was was it the sins of the father that that caused the son to have this affliction and jesus is like no no right um so that that right there dispels generational curses i mean like that should be done with it right there because that's all people seem to talk about i hear so much of that now but it's true i, I mean I, I did the part about generational um i'm not saying that the person is is doomed Right, um, but the way that it, it's outlined there, it's not like like some right. sticky demonic cloud that's sort of stuck oh, right, on a right, family, right. you know, like oh his but, dad did something bad, therefore he's punished. But at the punished. same time, I mean, I'm I'm a product of several generational traumas that right. you know uh, my 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 addictions are are not you know um, they didn't spring out of right my my parents my my grandparents uh, there's a there's a, a lineage of this uh, yeah. That that you know, I wish See, I broke. That's but where I didn't break it. The language of Buddhism for me, and this is what I guess I, I this is where I would flex or pivot because yeah. I would pivot into a whole that and, and maybe and I know there's people that just go, well, you can't do that. And I'm like, oh yeah, well I do. I don't know what else yeah, to do. I just do it that way because I, that's where karma and looking at mm-hmm. karma to me begins to really start to play. And, and some people, this is a really bad misunderstanding with just common folks that hear the word and use it, but they'll say karma like it's um, almost like a curse. Like, oh, you did something bad, you're going to get punished. And the way I've, I understand it and the way it's taught, been taught to me was that it's, it's really just more cause and effect. I mean, you're living in what you just described there is you're living in the karma of your ancestors. You like alcoholism or alcohol or addiction or whatever. That's really, it's your karma, but it, it comes from their karma right. and you can be the karma breaker right there and say, Oh, okay. Now I can change my karma by doing something new. And that way my karma doesn't, my negative karma doesn't become my kid's karma that they then live. Like I live, I know for sure the trauma that I, some of my trauma mentally comes from my father's actions but i know now from doing research that that's also becomes from my grandmother and other people that did things to him so it's a karmic chain of cause and effect i have a choice now to say okay can i transform that karma for and i mean i'm talking about like real world not future lives reincarnation like really literally can i not pass that negative karma on can i transmute that for my children yeah the word curse has always bothered me because it's it's, it makes it almost like it's been cast upon you um and that that piece of scripture that right there that you mentioned it's like oh christ did a good thing by saying (laughs) it's like hey he isn't sick because daddy did something bad you know it's like this he's just sick right don't don't be like going like it's punishment or that God's like going, oh, you've got this black thread now through your life that you can't shake because uh, it's been attached to you for wrong deeds or something. I don't know. And that's just my hot take on it, whatever it's worth. No, I think that's good. I mean, I think that's the, the uh, if you look at how Jesus read the Bible, I mean, the, the passages <laughs> he brought up. Right. Anytime Jesus brings up a passage, it's 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 not 
it's a hope filled, uh, spirit filled kind of thing. It's not, it's never some retributive. Cause the, I mean, honestly, the God in the old Testament is quite an asshole. I mean, he, he just smites, uh, um, I mean, he just kills people, women, children. Um, and yes. Okay. So, so the cognitive dissonance that I was experienced was we would have that God. And then we would have this new Testament God that was love. God is love. As first John is just telling us how, how much God is love, but he's willing to, you know, smite a couple thousand people who, who didn't, you know, um, dude, I, I could never put that together. I don't, I, I mean, that's, yeah. a, that's a mystery and there's no reason to, the, the, the view could be that, that the people who wrote the book were writing from their perspective and they weren't God writing, uh, from, um, Anyway, I, yeah. to think that to think that God causes trauma and 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 uh, uh, my my at the beginning of this in, in last March, my brother-in-law died in a motorcycle accident, and to think that God, you know, uh, took his life because for whatever reason is that is less than helpful. And and not true. I mean, that's uh, um, and to to think people get cancer and people contracting COVID um, and die is somehow God's will is uh, I think toxic. I think that's uh, the uh, a view of God is untenable. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So, I mean, you can. That, that's right. That's where like an our personal or a spiritual alchemy a perspective like that's so helpful. I mean, in Christ to me is a very great icon and symbol of that. It's yes, these, these things happen there. This is not um, a punishment. They haven't been cast upon you. They happen and they, they're sorrowful and they, they pain us, be pain us because we love. I mean, usually that's right. why we right. hurt when we lose somebody yeah. or there's a great loss, but I, the, the, we can choose to alchemize it, you know, and that's on us to alchemize it. The gift is there, you know, we just have to be willing to be a part of that. And that is, uh, that might be the blessing on the other side of a tragedy, but to say that it, the tragedy itself, that's something like it's an enabling uh, thing. And I've seen a lot of people talk about that, you know, where I've heard people say, well, what I do is I offer my offer it up. Cause I've heard people tell there's tell tell battered wives that well you know what divorce is bad but you just need to offer it up i'm like okay this is where we're getting into this abuse enabler situation you're using we're using religion to yeah to to enable and protect abusers i just i am not for that kind of and this is something that killed me and it's probably one of the reasons i finally just left uh the catholic church and more so just the overall I guess de- denominator as calling myself just a Christian, and and it was whenever I uh, heard someone say, "Well, you know, there was this priest he had been abusing children," and they said, "What about all the masses he served and all the communion he served?" You know, while all these years when he was using those same hands, you know, to touch mm. and abuse children, and I heard someone say, "Well, that is evil what he did." But his hands were ordained, so the communion was still 
blessed and good. I had a problem with that. I mean, I was like, this is getting into some strange territory here for me. You know, we're talking, and to me, it sort of get into like, I hate to say it, but like spells and wiz- wizardry almost. Like, yeah. well, because the spell has been placed over the hands. And I mean, it was real, it's a blessing or an ordination, but I, I mean, I, you could replace the word. The enchantment has been placed on this object, these, these hands. And so the being themselves can do whatever they want with their body and do all these other things. But when they do this act, because the hands have the enchantment, Mm. the magic still happens and the transformation takes place. I had problems with that. I mean, it didn't make me angry or nothing, anything like that. I just thought there's a perspective here that I just can't subscribe to anymore. Yeah. There's, there's rituals in the church that are um, a communion for me. We grew up Southern Baptist, so we did it. uh, I don't know. Once every the, the, the every little three cups months and or the something, little, yeah. Yeah, a little, yeah, yeah, a little Jesus cup. But yeah. Right now, that's, <laughs> juice. that's how we're yeah. doing it. Uh, yeah. We got these Jesus to go cups. You got a little wafer on top of. The, oh, really? Anyway, okay. Um, anyway, but there's something. It is. It, I'm gonna use the word magical. It's magical in this um, thing for me. This ritual for me. Then I didn't grow up. It wasn't like very important to me. We did it like four times a year. It was a little tasteless. Um, but it's some physical embodiment of Christ. Um, I, I don't know that. So, but I can I can do that myself. Right. I can take the time to make sacred bread. You know, right. to take whatever I'm eating, and and maybe that's what I should be doing. Since he said each time you eat this, remember me. Maybe I should be doing that every meal, three times a day. Be be you know, um, infused with the spirit and, st- and, and then also maybe a church have some special sacred, sacred time. But yeah, we put, we put the ordination this anyway. I, yeah, no, I get it. I feel it. like, I feel yeah. like I, I'm going to get negative and I don't I know. Yeah. I probably <laughs> took us to a bad place with that, <laughs> yeah, but it, okay. I no, guess man. my, my, my point in bringing that up was I'm, I'm an advocate of, it was leading back to something you were, when we were talking about scripture. Uh, I have been told that uh, I cherry pick, and I'm like, my Good. answer, my answer to that is yes, that's that's right, I do. Yes, you know, I'm and you're our cafeteria, whatever. I go, well, I can't, you can't call me a cafeteria. I quit using the identifier for any religion, even though I'm highly influenced by religion, and even though I really do have a deep love and relationship with Jesus. I have found that by taking the title off, I don't. Uh-huh. No one accuses me of cherry picking anymore. It, oh, that's good. That that's better. When when people uh, ask what you believe, they're just trying to put you in a box. Yeah, is the is the or thing. frame I mean, you I, up and understand. I, yeah, I, I I it's hard to say, but I go to a Methodist church, but I'm so beyond the walls of of what they have. You know. Um, believe right i mean my my personal experience is is not um it's not encapsulated in this in this denomination in this religion um so i i, I struggle too sometimes um like why do we go to church why why all these mainline denominations are are losing members um and the reason why we started going to church, my wife was going to church. She didn't go in New York too much, but uh, we started really going 
after my son, he was playing his Lego, uh, Lego Indiana Jones, Lego Star Wars. Uh, he knew all the characters. You know, I don't know if you played these on the Wii, but there's all <laughs> the, every character in the game, in the movies, is in the game. And he knew Obi Wan Kenobi and Yoda, and on and on and on. He knows all the characters. He had no idea who Moses was. He didn't know Jonah and the whale. He didn't know all these things that I I grew up knowing because we went to Sunday school. And he's you know five or six, and he doesn't have a clue about yeah any of these Daniel and the lions that these stories these stories have have are powerful uh, you know and they're not powerful for the literalism in them they're powerful for the message that they convey this mm. just transformative spirit infused thing um anyway so we started going to church for for that and then you know the other reason i said before but uh i don't i don't think that that we have we we can box God in in such a way. I think that we come together for a community of people seeking and trying to to be Christ-like. And so to to define me as, you know, Methodist Christian, I think is, you know, comes with too many connotations. And the better way to say is I'm a follower of Christ who, who is just open, uh, trying to find and be love and light in the world. Yeah. Um, at least that's what I aspire to be. I'm... Uh, <laughs> I was thinking, you know, you're talking uh, about raising kids, and, and I want to give my my kids the 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 opportunity to explore and and find their own way too. I don't want to start giving them answers to questions they haven't even asked yet. Yeah, you know, and I think that's a, a that's kind of the problem we've had or I had was was this is this, this is that, this is the other. Uh, I hadn't even quite got there, so when I started asking those questions, I did. I wasn't able to 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 fill it out for myself. It's like, well, here's the answer. Here's yeah. the answer. Right. You know, it's kind of like I always. I've always said this, and I probably never said it on a podcast before. But my wife hears me say it all the time. I said, I'm more. I'm really more interested in where the roly polies play. And what I mean by that is, when I was a child. Uh, I would go out in my grandfather, my grandmother's garden, and she would have these big rocks lining her bed. But I'd always like get my hands in there and dig, turn those big rocks over, and the roly polies were under there, and I loved it. Yeah. But if if I were walking through the yard and I said, "Hey, what's that?" Someone else may just go, "That's a rock," and keep on walking. I I would rather have the mind to look under mm. the rock, you know, it's yeah. like, okay, cool rock. I, instead of just walking by, I'd rather find out, you know, where the roly polies play. I mean, like what's going on underneath this thing. I mean, even a piece of scripture, like scratching at it for a little while, you know, and saying, hang on, you know, not only is there some historical context I need to understand, but you know, also like what's spirit saying here, you know, and I, 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 I probably need to quit beating this scripture thing to death, but, I was just no. the other day no, 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 no. the story of Jonah. I was talking about it with my son and he was like he was saying, Man, I just have a hard time with this story. I mean he <laughs> the whole thing, you know, the details of it. And I said, Well, I said, you know, it's interesting. I said, because like on the surface, like hot take, I can look at the story of Jonah and I see, hey, sometimes in life you may witness something that moves your heart so much. God moves on your heart and you go I, someone should do something about that. Someone should step forward and be the comforter, the healer, the guardian, whatever that is. Somebody needs to do that. And then in the back of your mind, there's a nudge that says, yeah, well, it's not somebody else. It's you. 
but then you just go, I don't know, not me. I'm going to wait. And then a little time passes. And then you look back and you're like, man, nobody's doing anything that's nagging you. And then, then you step forward and all of a sudden you're like, oh, wow, I actually have the capacity to do this. I point my talents towards it. I'm, I'm solving this thing, whatever it may be. Maybe it's recycling. Maybe it's um, child hunger. Maybe it's just helping people tarp roofs. I don't know, delivering meals, but you're, it's moving you. That's a quick hot take on the story of Jonah, right? I mean, without adding a bunch of extra stuff. Yeah. But someone else can read that same story and go, you know, this election was a fraud. Nobody's listening. You need to pack up and go to Washington. And yeah, it's going to be scary, but God's calling you to do that. To bust in that capital. You see what I'm saying? Like I go yeah, man. two people can read that same thing and get two completely different missions out of it. And and that's why I have sure. to have that rule of first do no like harm. Like I have to have that. Because if you don't, I think if we don't have rules like that, we end up in that place where we're busting indoors and loading mm. guns and you know. Yeah, I I love the story, Jonah. I mean, I love that you brought that up. Even as uh, like, uh, I, I felt like Jonah. I don't know how many times in my life where where God calls you to do something over here, and you're like, oh hell no, I don't want to do that. I ain't doing that. And I really love the story because it's like the shortest one, and it ends in uh, it ends in a question. <laughs> it, it it just stops. The story just stops. Um, I had to look it up while you were looking, but. Uh, so so Jonah Jonah gets goes on the boat, gets thrown in the water, the fish eats him three days later, which is what Jesus says. The only sign you'll have is the sign, sign of Jonah. Of Jones, right. Which is probably why it's in the Bible. I mean, this story is so out there. Like, why is Jonah <laughs> even in the Bible? Except Jesus said that, so we got time. Gotta put it in there and make it make sense, right? <laughs> but anyway, so so he finally he finally goes and does the thing that, that God wanted him to do was tell Nineveh to repent and to change their ways. And then they did it. And then God didn't kill him, and he got pissed. Jonah got pissed that God didn't do anything to him, that they, they followed what he said, and they listened to him. And he's like, God, why you didn't, why you didn't just, you know, take out this, this town that you um Yeah, you for all to. this stuff, I walked all yeah. the way through this gosh darn place, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean. And, and it is, um, uh, let's see, I want to read it. Uh. And the Lord said, you had compassion on the, he sat underneath a, a plant at the end, right? Yeah, that's and then, right. And then God, and then God withered the plant away. Yeah, took it so away. He, so shade. he got the sun. Yeah, his, his, he got stuck in the sun. And uh, it, the, the book ends. Then the Lord said, you had compassion on the plant for which you did not work and which you did not cause to grow. And it came up overnight and it perished overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people, and who cannot tell their right hand from their left hand, and also so many animals? And that's what it is. It that's just right. Stops. That's it. The end. Right, that's right. It. Yeah. I mean, and it okay. le- you're right. It does leave you with a question. It's like, should I not? I mean, it's like God justifying to humanity. Uh, it's something earlier we were talking about. I mean, and I found this with the Old Testament or the vengeful God how often those things look very much in a, that God hates who we hate. Yeah. It looks just like us. It looks just like us. It has, a, has the same pettiness has the same uh, need for revenge and retribution. I mean, all the same stuff. Um, 
so it's interesting. And then we, <laughs> Jesus comes in and kind of confounds all of that. I, I've always kind of, I, I always feel like just an internal sort of sting when I would be listening to a, a sermon or a homily where someone would, uh, and there's many people who love to do this. They would, Jesus didn't come to eradicate the Old Testament. He came to, and they'll call that scripture for where he's like, I came to fulfill the law, fulfill you know? The law. And they use that as like a justification for any horrible atrocity that maybe came through the law. And I've seen that happen a lot of times, and it always stings me. I'm like, oh, you're just trying to find a bridge to your own uh, very human biases. Yeah. Through through a particular language in the New Testament or in the gospel, and uh, so yeah, it kind of stings for me. I don't know, but again, we all just we're all out here just trying to find our way, man. That's it, man. And I think, uh, <laughs> and we make it. What's that saying? We make the way by walking. You know, mm, I mean, that's, uh, that's how we. Uh, I think the the biggest takeaway from from the difference between the way I, I viewed God before uh, I found the God of my understanding and afterwards was, was that uh, he didn't look so much like me. He looked like this thing I was called to be this mm, thing. I was, I love this that. thing I was aspiring. Uh, uh, I'm reaching for, you know, yeah. I'm becoming um, and not some, something I can fit into this box um, to think, to think that that original sin is this generational curse we talk about that that because Adam and Eve, you know, we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's true. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. We've done things we 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 wish we wouldn't have done. We've hurt people in ways we wish we we didn't, or maybe we wish we did. I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes we uh, why evil exists in in this world. I, I, that's a that's another question. Uh, why can the just God allow such evil? Um, but to think that this original sin was was the way it is, and we just come out sinful, is uh, is harmful. Uh, to to not view life as a blessing and original blessing and this this uh, this earth as a blessing and not some kind of uh, you know thing that we have to we have to you know um, struggle, walk on our knees uh, to to redeem. It's yeah. It's interesting. Listen to you makes me think of something my son and I were talking about about the, I'd read a few times and the Rig Veda and other commentary about it that you know the gods in these realms live in these realms of bliss and they want to come here where we're at because this is the only realm where you can learn compassion. Mm-hmm. You know, in their realms of with no suffering and all bliss you can't actually learn to love and to be helpful and, and all these other gifts. And I thought that's an interesting perspective to think on that, that the realm we live in that we disdain so much that we say is filled with pain and sorrow and suffering is actually the realm that the gods wish they could be a part of because the real gift is to generate love, compassion, mercy. And I was like, that's a fascinating thing to think about. Yeah. Cause we don't that's... do that. We're like, I can't wait to get to the realm of bliss. <laughs> you know, yeah. I want to be there in bliss and no suffering, but yet even those beings that we, you know, I don't know. It's just a fascinating thing to think about. Uh-huh. Flips yeah. it on its head. You know, I, you said something too. Is, uh, I think that's just learning to love deeper, deeper and stronger. And, uh, 
that's what this life is, is, uh, if we, if we doing it, uh, with any kind of, you know, integrity is to expand our hearts. Um, it, it just ever widening circles. Uh, I think that's, uh, um, uh, Rilke has a poem that's, uh, in ever widening circles. Anyway, that's, uh, it's beautiful, man. And I'm happy. I know it. Hey there, Good News listener. I hope you've enjoyed this episode as much as I've enjoyed producing it. Now, it's time for the Fishing for Goodies segment, where I turn my interviewer role over to the Good News Fishbowl. Longtime listeners know that the Fishbowl contains over 400 unique questions, many seated by you, the listeners. Did you know that you could submit unique questions to the Fishbowl? That's right. Just call the Good News Hotline at 802-459-1668 to have your question added. You can also visit findthegood.news and send me an email. Now, let's take that dive into the fishbowl. So look, man, you've listened to this podcast. I know you said you have, right? Oh, yeah. You going to fishbowl me? Let's got go. Got the fishbowl you right here, man. Well, I'm going to shake it up. It's a, I know. it's a real fishbowl. It's a real fishbowl. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Right? You can actually see it, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's got a full of questions. I'm actually really excited to ask you these questions. So you know if you've listened, I draw three. All right, there's one. The, is that for the triune God? Is that why you draw huh, three? I didn't think of that before, but it could be. <laughs> A trinity of questions. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty good. All right. Oh. What's the number one way that you show others that you care about them? Hmm. I think just uh, physically being alongside them, uh, calling them. or uh, Right now, right now I've been going to my my. Mama's not doing so well. Um, Sorry. It's okay. It's life. It happens. Um, and I'm learning to adjust. But uh, having having physical, which is hard to do. And we, we tried to stay apart for, you know, the first part of COVID was like, uh, can't quite see you. I, you know, you're, you're in that high risk group. Uh, so, but going over there and, and just... Uh, being present, fully present, not thinking about what I should be doing tomorrow or right. What uh, giving? I think that that's a better answer. Gift of presence in in. <clears throat> I think that's a great gift, man. That's a wonderful thing to give people. In fact, truthfully, I mean, hearing you say that, I mean, that's honestly one of the missions of this show. I mean, I say it's to share the good news, but it's just to create a space where we can be with people and allow things to just come out, you know, like a salve, you know, the drawing salve. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I think if we can allow people to be themselves, fully themselves is, is also uh, a way to care about them. So many people, you know, um, they're afraid. I know I'm afraid sometimes to, to be who I fully truly am. I have to put on this mask or this uh, shades. I can give you a shade of myself, but I don't want to. It hurts. I think that's part of it is it hurts. You expose your heart. It gets hurt. So you just draw it back in and keep it locked up. But uh, the ability to pull it back out again uh, is to be present, you know, yeah. to, to 
this non-judgmental um you know way of being is beautiful yeah that's a, a wonderful answer and something honestly i i can take to heart and apply really it's good advice for anybody so this is an interesting way outside of what we talked about question would you ever consider training for a triathlon <laughs> oh no no chance why in the world uh, somebody wanted to know <laughs> hey yeah well you know that's it's really strange and funny um so i have this instagram page blue collar mystic yes i'm glad um, you brought and, it up i wanted to get and somebody <laughs> somebody tagged me in it um there's another blue collar mystic he's blue underscore collar underscore mystic and uh she was tagging him in order to run a marathon they were going to plan on running some marathon really and so i got tagged and i went to the page i'm like hey I'm, i know 100 percent you're not trying to tag me i'm not running a marathon even if somebody's chasing me i'm not running there's no <laughs> there's no marathon gonna be run um so anyway it did with the very synchronous they're very uh these two people are i don't know i just just happened about a month ago i think and they've it's been great to watch them and see them um and now that i say all that i'm like i, I don't know if i could really do a triathlon but i do uh, my intention this year anyway has been to to take more care of my body um i know when i was younger i didn't care if i made it to 35 and now i'm 37 and i, I i'm still under the illusion that i'm i'm never gonna die um you know <laughs> yeah. even though i see i see that it's inevitable uh but if i if i don't if i don't take care of this thing that this this vehicle for my being um i'm not gonna I'm not going to live forever. I mean, that's not going to happen anyway, but <laughs> I, I have, uh, so I've been doing some exercise and eating better and trying to be more mindful of, uh, I saw that you're doing some, this, uh, whole foods type stuff. I, I'm doing, I did started a plant-based whole foods, plant-based diet. That's, uh, you know, it's for, it's for many reasons, but, uh, for my health, for, for the, for the world, um, whole food plant-based diet is the only diet that's been proven to, or scientifically shown to reverse heart disease and, uh, diabetes. And also I, 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 I think I'm nonviolent. I try to be nonviolent. Ask my kids. They probably would have a totally different opinion when I <laughs> explode. Uh, but I, I'm nonviolent in these thoughts and these actions mostly, but when I eat, uh, you know, I've, and, and, Incurred suffering on on other things. I love steak. I love steak. I love hamburgers. Um, so for me to decide, I, I'm going to try. And I'm only, I'm not even three weeks in. So you know, ask me in six months how sustainable this has been. It's been it's been pretty good. It's been I've had a you know, it's plant based, so it's not you know straight vegan. Right. Um, so I I'm trying to be mostly vegan, but we had chicken and sausage gumbo. You can't quite. Uh, I don't know. I don't think a vegan gumbo exists. It doesn't sound very tasty to me. But anyway. Um, it's a good so, answer, yeah. though. So here's your last question. If you're sitting down to visit with someone, what type of drink do you order? Mm, I, I got some tea here for this conversation. Uh, uh, it's probably, if we're out somewhere, it'd probably be water. Yeah. 
It's yeah, a, that's a bland. That's a bland. But Blade, in the nothing past, wrong with water, man. Yeah, in the past, it, might, it would have been some uh, some alcoholic beverage that would have uh, really loosened my lips. <laughs> oh yeah, I understand. I uh, I'm mostly a water guy myself. I drink a little coffee morning uh, and drink water most of the time. Did I hear you? I like iced tea, but I don't drink it as much as I used to. Yeah. You know what? That made me think of another question I had for you. You mentioned social anxiety yeah. uh, before. And uh, I have had the same sort of situation. And that's part of you know what, what alcohol did for me was it was a lubricant, a social lubricant. I was able to feel like I was more myself. Right. I would, I would summon the courage to, uh, you know, be that. But when I went to when I went to Albuquerque, I just want to share the story with you. When I Please went to Albuquerque do. for this uh, living school the first time, I drove 14 hours to Albuquerque, and I had to get out of the car and go in this hotel I've never been to and go register for a symposium. I've never done any symposium or any kind of like uh, trade fair, trade show. There's all these people walking out. I I almost didn't do it. Oh yeah. I don't know any of these people. Yeah. And, and it was, it was a fear, and 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 this. I drove fourteen hours to this thing, yeah. And I almost didn't get out of the car. Yeah. I mean, it was. Uh, I mean, I'm glad I did, uh, and I. I mean, I did do it. Um, finally, I don't know. Uh, the courage came to me, but so many times we we get to that spot that that part where the fear is the greatest, and we we don't if we don't push through it, we don't experience. Uh, transformation or the gifts or the blessings or whatever is on the other side of the fear. Yeah. And I think that's the uh, overcoming uh, suffering and, and fear are like the, the transformation. That's the keys for all transformation happen by, by overcoming suffering and fear. And so um, anyway, I just, you'd brought that up before and I just oh, thought yeah. it was, uh, I, I could, we, I'm glad you shared that, man, because, I mean, even just sitting on a podcast and sharing and things you share online, I mean, that's that's an effort to really get over those types of things. I mean, it's not that that may be why you're doing it, but the showing other people that um, we can push through those types of debilitating things, I think it's high value. I mean, I've been there, man. I still go through it. I mean, each... I won't lie and say there isn't some anxiety before I click connect on some of these calls. You know, I mean, there's always a little bit of uh, a little string of fears, but uh, pushing through is worth it almost every time. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's been great. I got one last question. That's it, man. It's did anything good happen today? And Like everyone else, man, this conversation here has been great, man. I, I really, uh, when you approached me, I didn't know like why, um, what I would have to offer to, <laughs> to talk about. Um, and, and I, so I was, you know, taken, uh, I was just honored that you would ask me to even come on here. Well, so, I'm glad you agreed, man. I mean, I've been looking forward to this one. I, I haven't had a local conversation in a while, to be honest with you. It's mostly been COVID kind of redirected the show. And I said, you know, right. this year I want to make an honest effort to, now I want to be have a little more even mix, you know, and I said, you know, I, I want to talk to people that I really believe truly like I did in the original mission that are just doing good works right here at home. And I mean, I, your name, it just popped in my head. I said, you know, two things. One, I love what you're putting out there. It's so necessary, I think, for us to heal 
this world. I really believe that. And I mean, that's, that's the first mm-hmm. thing I think. And then two, I just wanted to meet you. You're one of those people that I've had a, we've been in each other's orbits online and we connect and I'm, I mean, you get the, there's just something different about visiting. And I said, you know, what you said, presence. I was like, I just want to meet you, man. I just wanted to, us to just jam and have a good time. And I love having talks with, um, I can't always have an open Christian conversation, truly like fully open, you know? And, uh, I felt like I was going to be able to do that with you. And it was honestly healing for me to truth, the truth of the matter. Oh, well, great. That's awesome. That's, uh, you know, I I feel like a stalker almost because I, I listen to the podcast. But I think the first time I really um, your your sister worked with my wife oh. uh, at uh, Barb Elementary, so I know your your niece and nephew. Oh, okay. Um, they've been to my house uh, anyway. That's <laughs> so I knew <laughs> you you had posted something uh, somehow. Mercy mornings. Oh yeah, I my, used to do that. Yeah, got on my my radar and it was something at Freon Lake Park at seven a.m. Yeah, that's right. And I was getting off getting off work and. I I never was off when it was happening, oh. and that's how I, I I guess found you, and then I found out who you were and how you connected Bethany, all that, and so uh, uh, it's been a I don't know I feel like almost like a stalker. It's just been like a we're on the same the same wavelength, man. The same um, seeking uh, on this journey, you know. It's just been um, anyway. Uh, well, I thank you, man. It's been a blessing. I really is. I, I'm like I said, I'm lucky today. I get to have another conversation uh, right after this one, and I honestly am very curious. I've never had two people in the same kind of category that don't live in the same area back to back like this. In fact, she's she's going to be on in just a minute, and I awesome. was like, you know, I'm wondering how our conversation is going to inform what we talk about like i might even yeah. i've been i really don't know i might even launch these as like bookends you know what i mean like yeah. it might be really cool to like uh link them up because um i don't know it's just a, bl- a day of blessing for me this is just yeah. going to be a, a powerful day hopefully and, I'll, and, I'll be thinking for a lot of days about these conversations yeah man me too and uh i, I know brown about the other good thing that happened today i haven't even looked at my phone in a while but uh I think like two hours ago we had a new president sworn in. Yeah, so, that's right. Um, I, when we I'm, scheduled this, I didn't even think about that. I was like, I, it occurred to I me did, this morning. I didn't. I thought if there's if anything terrible happens, at least I'll have a kindred spirit to. Uh, oh yeah, no joke to, to ride to, it out to, with. To ride it out with. So, but it looks like it happened. So good. That's good. Yes, that's right. Historic moment for us today. That's great, man. All right, brother. Thank Amen. you so much for your time, Th- really. And I'll, you. I'll see you again later today, yeah, yeah. I'm sure, online. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. For sure, man. Well, you always have a friend and that brother and ally in me, man. If you ever need anything, no, you let me same, know. Same, same, well, man. It's, it's been great. I'm more thankful every moment that I found. Thanks for listening to my conversation with James Hyatt. If you found something of use in this conversation, consider visiting findthegood.news slash donate, where you can help me continue this good news mission from the Louisiana Gulf Coast. I thank you for pressing play and for seeking out good news.